Welcome to Andy, James, Pavan and Andre talk money stuff. The information we discuss is not advice. We are not financial advisors. We have not considered your personal circumstances. Do your own research. Please listen to the full disclaimer at the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Her dog, or her cat, was named Vagina. Sue me, dickhead. China! All you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. All right, episode 41 on Sunday the 21st of May. Uh, here we are, says uh, Andy, James and Andre. And uh, yeah, here we are again. How are you guys? James, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. How's football? Uh, good. We didn't win. Yeah. Uh, my, my story from football is unfootball related, surprisingly. Uh, yeah. Go on. I was in a rush because, you know, to get here after the yep. the game because it got, got delayed and stuff. And so, you know, ran into the showers because I know you guys – I know you guys – don't mind my my stink, but you know, yeah. I thought I'd better have a shower. Anyway. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, and we're talking quick showers, right? Yeah. Finish game. Yeah. Jump into the showers. About two minutes into the shower, all the lights go off. They locked you in the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it was like pitch black. It was pitch black, but I went, oh, that's all right. I'll just wait a second, and then my yeah. eyes will adjust. No. No. <laughs> were, you, were you locked in? Did they lock you in and close up? Like, <laughs> So anyway, I fumbled and got all my stuff out yeah. and, and fumbled around. It took me a minute to get out of the shower and work out how to get into the main area where there was uh, a little bit of light. Yeah. And, and did you get out the front and then there, all of a sudden there's like police and a, <laughs> a school bus of like small children and shit. <laughs> ah, and you, you know. Ass naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there was no one in the yeah. joint. This is like like seriously like yeah. five minutes after the game yeah. finished, and um, <laughs> they, they they basically you know everyone finished the yeah. game, got off the field, yeah. whatever, and the the guys in the center or whatever must have just gone. Yeah. Oh, everyone's gone. Lock up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lights off, don't bother checking anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's night vision footage of you walking around like this. How did you get your out? Ass hanging out. Well, <laughs> I went to the luckily with that the front door lock was just like a one of those twisty ones. So I just went and twisted it and then I could get out. And then I twisted it and then shut the door again. Oh, so you locked it for them, that's nice of you. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, it was all good. It was all good in the end, but uh yeah, it was a bit of a shock when, especially the, oh, you know, oh, the lights have gone off. I'll just wait a second for my eyes yeah. to adjust. And then I'm like, after about, you know, 30 seconds, I'm like, it's actually pitch black in here. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it's below ground level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really think about it. Is it below ground level? It is, isn't it? You walk down yeah, 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 to I think, and I Unless think, it's on a hill. Um, yeah. yeah, no, but I think I think that's right. Basically, it's below, below ground. Yeah. So even... Like there's no windows. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I did that once with a an ill, ill timed, ill prepared, uh, uh, pack walk training pack walk out the back of my house as a nature reserve that's quite hilly, yeah. and I went out right on. I guess I was out for longer than I should have been, and oh, I yeah. didn't have a torch with me. Oh yeah, 
and lights go down and it was same sort of thing. I could see lights over the horizon, over the hill, yeah. but in front of me it was literally pitch black <laughs> and I'm literally walking through like waving my hands in front of my face and I ended up, I remember when I started getting, I, I could see sort of houses and lights off in the distance. So I started sort of walking a bit fast and then all of a sudden I'm just looking up at the sky and I'd walked over like a downed fence and, oh. and, and I fell forward and my pack which had like, I think I was training with like 20 kilos of rice or something like that. went over my head and it was so heavy that it flipped me. Oh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, then I was just like looking at the sky. What the fuck? Yeah. Anyways. How about you, Andy? How are you? Good. I was telling Andre that I've um, I've come to the end game of my obsession with um, finding the right stereo speakers. So how do you quantify end game? What was – is it just like to the max? Well, yeah, I just I, – I, I will not I, – I don't see any need for me to search for better speakers or spend money on – speakers beyond what i bought that's cool yeah because you just you just found what you're happy with or yeah basically yeah like you know i wanted i want i want something where you listen to music and you know the hair on your neck goes up from the human voice and yeah. um yeah it's like one of those things that you spend a little bit of money and it's good and you spend heaps more money and it's not necessarily that much better yeah um diminishing returns the more you spend but anyway yeah, i found i found end game speakers and I've, mm. I've been spending far too much time thinking about it yeah and and, and pursuing these speakers and actually made by an Australian guy named Greg Osborne. So That's Os- cool. Osborne I remember speakers. I had the same thing with a pair of active uh, Genelec studio monitors. They weren't that expensive. I mean, they were expensive to me at the time. Like You that. had Genelecs? I should have no, tested no. yours because I was thinking you've bought No, no, I know. I, 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 uh, a friend of mine had them and uh. they were maybe like $5,000 a pair, which was a lot of money mm. in 2005. But I just remember like, whoa, they sound awesome. Like they're just so... I'd like to hear them because they're so small, yet people say they have such big sound, and it just—I don't get how that can happen. But yeah, well, they've got the, the varying size. Are you, were you looking at the ones that little like plastic, like jelly bean looking ones, or the actual like square? Oh, I didn't, I, no, I didn't look at the square ones. I looked at the weird shaped ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember we visited Studios Three Hundred One um, in Sydney, and they had ones that were like. I don't know how, maybe as big as a bookshelf, like half a bookshelf sort of yeah, thing. Right. Must like like those bookshelves that are behind you. So I guess, you know, at least over a metre squared sort of thing and they were mounted in big like three metre concrete walls. Yeah, right. So brutal. But um, anyways. Well, I, my mate who's a composer has a friend who's a very good violinist and that guy now, he's an Aussie but lives in Sweden making speakers wow. and was recommending to my composer friend speakers because he does his own sound production yep. and stuff and he said get Genelex. Yeah. Genelex are Finnish. So this guy makes speakers that aren't Genelex but recommended yeah. Genelex to um, the guy for this you know particular studio situation. Yeah, okay. So there you go. Mm. Anything anything cool investing-wise or market-wise for you guys? No, just um, watching commodities go down like gold, copper, all that sort of stuff. Um US dollar strengthening, um, but bonds, you know, my, my bonds, I think I bought at, I uh, can't remember. Why is the but, US dollar but, strengthening but when they're down ev- like everything's so shit? Or something. Well, I mean, I think it's the Brett Johnson dollar milkshake thing. I, I think that I think that is the the case. There's a, a perceived shortage or a, a functional shortage of US dollars in the world. Or US dollar li- US dollar type liabilities, you know, this, this euro dollar thing there. You know, the dollars that don't exist, just um, balance sheet IOUs that are passed around, um, not actually even backed apparently by actual US dollars, um, unless I got that part wrong. But yeah, it's um, like it's all just balance sheet and IOUs. And I guess 
when when things are looking bad and you know what is it musical chairs when everyone needs to sit down it's it's the US dollars the best seat on the house that's a pretty bad analogy but I'm gonna say it's the, <laughs> the very high short-term US interest rates is the is the the biggest factor yeah um, I'm gonna challenge your Brent Johnson yeah, shake. well, I'll, I'll see your challenge to the Brett Johnson milkshake and raise you a Jess Snyder. <laughs> um, he reckons that the interest rates, because of the um, yield curve inversion, yep. um, they're, they're low interest rates um, relative to the interest rate you can get on the day. So people are, uh, are paying, people are buying them at a price that means they get a uh, implied lower yield than the the stated yield of the day so why are they chasing it at low yield or lower yield wouldn't if you were if you were holding your money short term though wouldn't like it, it does look quite attractive to what's the u.s interest rate five and a quarter or something <clears throat> i don't know yeah i think it had a um, five in front of it i was but, surprised too because i look at it but then like i said i talk about the five i'm like it's got a five in front of it i've been looking close enough but 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 it, it's quite you know from a from an investor perspective to get a, 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 you know, inverted commas, risk-free rate for over 5% when markets are probably quite heavily priced. But why why buy inverted? Like why buy longer dated US dollar things like treasuries that are offering a lower no, rate of return? But, but, but this, is, this is the way I would be thinking about it. It's like well, we've got a little bit of uncertainty. It's like, uh, you know, are these high interest rates going to lead to a recession? Well, I could either, you know, invest in equities or I could just put my money in short-term rates and, or, you know, uh, put a portion of my money in, in you know, short-term, say, US treasuries. And if things go badly, the interest rate on that will go down. But it doesn't matter because then – I will have saved all my money because of, you know when you preserved your wealth better than having it in markets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but if which is an interesting thing yeah. because like with my bond purchase, that's down like you know two percent. Um, maybe it's more than two percent. I think I bought them at eighty. I don't know. I'll look on the bloody phone and I'll tell you how much they're down. But um, yeah, with that, I look at it and it's like, oh, they're down, you know, whatever percent. Um, but not as down as much as you know. The copper or, or yep. gold, I think, has dropped more as well. Yep. Um, what's it say? I bought them at 87 and they're 84.45. So what's that? 3% down. But, I mean, obviously, stuff have gone down a lot more than 3%, like copper, I think. Yep. You know, when I bought them, copper was had a four in front of it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah, and gold. You know, gold's gone down more than 3%, I think, since I bought them because gold is what? It's like in the 19s now. Yeah, 19... 60, 70, 80? Yeah, right. So yeah, I think um I think the US dollar is the Brent Johnson thing mixed with the Jeff Snyder thing. And it's not called the Euro dollar anymore, apparently. It's got some other name. So if I say Euro dollar and you're like, what's that? Well, I still don't know what it is when I say it, but now it's not even that. So there you go. All right. Well we'll uh we'll uh, I, I actually think I'm still of the opinion that it's the major factor is just the high short term rates and the the you know people having the opportunity to um, defensively invest their money and see what happens or a portion of their money to see what happens. But yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how this, so, so how would it, what, what say if events happen in a certain way, what would, uh, how would your, how would the dollar milkshake play out? 
Well, I was going to ask you, put you on the spot with the question, James. Because um, I, know, I know what would happen in my theory. Well, well, but, well, well, but, well, well I want to I do my question I was going to ask first. Okay. So, um, yeah. Can you foresee a circumstance in which interest rates drop in the US and the US dollar continues to strengthen? Uh, so I would say it's possible, but I wouldn't say that was a, a likely and scenario. what's what can you even like what can you imagine the scenario? Where oh, that, actually, actually, sorry, yeah, I, I, I take that point. I take that point in terms of the dollar milkshake theory. I, I think that you could well have a situation where the um, you know, say the the globe goes into a recession and the US dollar is seen as as a as a safe haven, yeah. and there's and debts get de- called in, yeah, debts get called in, and then and yeah. then so people n- need to chase the. US dollars in order to repay those debts. Yeah. So, and I, I think yeah. that's pretty, you know, that, that that kind of merges, or maybe that's all Brett Johnson, but the, the debt's getting called in, I yeah. think, you know, is a bit... Um, Schneider. Yeah, well, I mean, at least collateral, you know, and that's, you know, maybe that's debt in some way, I don't know. Maybe he talks about debt's getting called in too. Mm. Um, and, and you were asking me, what was your question again? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, the, the flip side is you you think that, um, you know, if we had a, if we went into a uh, recession and it was, we hadn't, you know, hadn't conquered inflation, if inflation was still there and interest rates were being uh, decreased, but there was still strong inflation, you would think that that would be a, a negative for the US dollar and a positive for, for commodity currency, say, say like, you know, Canada or Australia. Yeah, I mean, supposing we were talking about US dollar. So yeah. US dollar, interest rates decrease, US dollar's got inflation issues. Mm. You think that's a negative? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I guess it's just, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen in that way. I think it's more the Brett Johnson way. Mm. But anyway, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting too because we can come up with these scenarios where we think, you know, if A then B. Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out, well, it's if A then Q squared. Yeah, no, but, but <laughs> you almost certainly know if you've got some theory, you know – that it'll be wrong. It's just a question of how wrong it is, and and if you can, if it can be like, a quite a bit right, but you know, wrong, um, then that's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like that thing with the banks. When I was like, oh, I I think you know there's going to be big volatility around the banks. I'd be putting a really small portion in out of the money calls. Yeah. Turns out you should have bought out of the money puts. I, yeah. I I predicted that they'd um you know bail out Silicon Valley Bank or yeah. whatever, um. So yeah, I, I had this theory. If if they bail it out, then um, the the regional banks won't be looking as bad, and the price will go up. Um, what it was was they bailed them out, mm. but people were still worried about the regional banks, and the price went down. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe some of them went up in the meantime. But like my my thesis was that that had um, stemmed the panic, and and it didn't. So I was if a then panic stemmed mm. a, therefore well panic wasn't stemmed. So. That's a tough one. Even getting it right, which is hard enough, mm. then the consequence of that you got to try and anticipate as well, which, which is even harder. I agree. So, what's of this uh, U.S. debt ceiling crisis, and what does it mean for me, or can it mean something for me? What's do you, out of curiosity, like you're asking because you're the show, the host of a famous talk show <laughs> um, for entertainment purposes only? Um, but do you actually not know, or well, I know that something that that. that I don't know anything behind the mechanics. I know that it is happening and and that uh, Joe Biden was going to visit Australia and they cancelled his visit 
to so he could go back and do talks for this so debt ceiling crisis. But you're, um, you're you're a bit more knowledgeable about money stuff after having forty episodes, which is and doing your own research. But he's got like a hundred hours of this nonsense. Not nonsense. He's got a hundred hours of this stuff behind him. So that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, seriously, that's like two and a half weeks of like nonstop listening to. Well, probably mostly me. Um, <laughs> but so you're 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 more switched on than the average bear. Average average person in the world with this. I'm curious to know from your perspective, mm. with your you're more limited than James and and you know James me and James. Mm-hmm. Um, we aren't experts, but yeah, what what do you think based on like everything that, you're that, hearing? That's what a slight slight on? overstatement. That we're experts. I said we aren't. We oh, aren't. We aren't experts. Either. Yeah, no, that's we're entertainers. Uh, yeah, I like how you said slight. That's uh, yeah, the man's ego. I didn't don't. want to contradict you too. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're massively wrong on that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. Um, yeah. that, that would be an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an exaggeration too. So yeah, what do you reckon happens, Andre? With like, what's 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 the whole well, debt? Well, I don't know because they're the people that so are. What, in. what is a debt ceiling, and what will happen based on just what you're vibing from the media and stuff? Like, because the thing is, right? What you're vibing from the media is what a lot of people will be vibing, vibing from the media. You probably have a little bit more skill in discerning some things within that vibing from the media, if that makes sense. So the media is telling you to what panic or be afraid. Like, what's what emotion are we supposed to be feeling according? Well, to the I, media? I, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I'm just not sure what it means when the people that are in charge run the credit card up to the max and. And like I, I guess the flow-on effects of what what does that mean if they do raise the 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 debt ceiling? Does it? It's make- more. It's more. What happens if they don't raise it? What happens if they don't raise it? What's supposed to happen? Like, what's the so what's does that the TV like because it like plunges everyone into recession? And How? Stuff, right? Why? What happens? Because they have to. Because people start defaulting. So the U.S. government borrows money, mm. right, to to pay for all the liabilities it has. When you're yeah. in government. You know, you you want to get elected, so you offer as much bread and circus to the mm. to the. Is it the plebs or the masses? You offer you offer bread and circus to the masses, you know. And you know, if you elect me, I'll give everyone a Lamborghini, and you know, we'll do this and this. And mm. everyone's like, yeah, I want Lamborghinis, and I want all these things. You know, the government's paying for it, and, yeah. and it's like, well, where's the government get their money from? Taxpayers. Mm. So taxpayers pay for it, right? Yep. Um, so the government in the USA has a whole bunch of um, liabilities. They've got yep. pensions. They've got the public service they've got to pay for, the military, the CIA, which seems to have the worst bookkeeping on the planet. They've got like heaps of- um, That's right. That's one thing they said because like government employees will start, they won't be able to pay government employees and things like that. Yeah. So um, in, in theory, right, um, not raising the debt ceiling means that the government's not allowed to borrow more money yep. to- to pay for things. Yes. And they have interest they have to pay on their existing loans. Yep. And it seems to be the case, and I mean, maybe I'm wrong in this, it seems to be the case that they're borrowing money to pay the interest on their existing loans. Yep. It's kind of like, um, you know, someone spiraling into some sort of um, credit card, you know, terrible situation where they have to use a credit card to pay off a credit card or something. Mate, I've um, been neck deep in a situation like that. Right, there you go. Well, so you know what it's like to be the US government then. Mm. <laughs> so that's what it's like. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, you've you got obligations that you've made to the taxpayers and if you don't meet them, you, you risk not getting elected. 
Um, so what do you do? Like World got, Bank does a consolidation loan. And you got debts? Like well, Fox and Symes or whatever. Well, I think you just print a trillion dollar note, don't you? A trillion dollar coin made out of platinum and hand that over. Um, the US government can print money. So mm. unlike you with your credit card, mm. you can't just go, hey, I've got a Monopoly kit. Here's, here's some you know big notes from my Monopoly kit. Um, the US government can print money. So they in theory- well, is, that, is that quite right though? That they, they themselves- can. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they can't print it. The bloody, what is it? The Federal, Federal Reserve. Reserve can create money and then- can, can lend money into existence. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So how's that work? Explain that. So the, the, the this is the other thing, right? The government- it's supposed to be separate from the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve and like Reserve, Reserve Bank of Australia or whatever. Um, well, maybe and I think actually it's it's not separate from Australia, but I think the idea is like the basic thing is it's, it's an like, indep- independent. It's yeah. So, so in Australia, it's an independent. The Reserve Bank is an independent um, fr- from the government, but it's a government agency. Yeah. Okay. And then they get appointed by the government, mm. but they're independent. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't sound very independent, but I mean, like, so you got the separation of powers in politics, right? Like the legislature, the judiciary, and what's the other one? Maybe that's it. No, there's another one too. Like law enforcement. Yeah, whatever. Like, you know, the government makes the laws, but the judiciary uh, interprets them, and then the law enforcement will. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Maybe the military is another separation of power, but basically, you don't have all the power in one hand. Or maybe you got the, you know, you got the what is it? The the House of Representatives in Australia. <laughs> Um, come up with the laws, the Senate passes them, and then the judiciary, I guess, interprets and, and is part of the enforcement thing or whatever. But it's it's not all the powers in one hand to, to avoid dictatorship and all that sort of stuff. So that's like a, a thing that's in political systems as, as poorly as I seem to be explaining and probably understanding it. Uh, with the reserve banks, the idea is that the government will just always spend if they can because they always want to make promises and get elected. Yep. And the idea is there's supposed to be a bank that, you know, lends money to the government, lends money into existence. But they're like, hey, hold up there, Mr. Politician. You know, you can't just promise everyone a Lamborghini. That's crazy. We're not going to lend you money for that. And um, that's, that's you know, that's the idea that the bank's supposed to, the Reserve Bank is supposed to be the cool head um, to, to, to rein in the over-promising um, overspending politician. So, so what I, what I the way I'd explain it is with the – so the debt ceiling is obviously how much money the government can borrow, mm-hmm. and in order to borrow, they issue bonds. Yeah. So and then um, the way that sort of you end up with money printing is when they sell those bonds onto the market, and there's not yep. enough, basically not enough buyers, and the yeah, yeah, and the you know, and the central bank ends up stepping in the because, the Reserve Bank or the, the yeah yeah the, yeah the Central Reserve whatever yeah. Um, so the Treasury but, issues the bonds. Yeah, so the yeah. Treasury wouldn't be able to issue bonds if they've got a debt ceiling and they've already reached Yeah, them. right, and, right, and right. So, okay. so therefore there wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to sell them onto the market mm-hmm. to get the cash to, yeah, right, to right. do okay. things. Um Yeah, so that that would be the I guess the mechanics. And then as you from from there So so to- so basically these uh, these guys are in debt to themselves, sort of. They're in debt to their public. Man, that's such an interesting question. Like this is a big segue, but right. Um so if you look at if you look at say the Federal Reserve balance sheet at the moment, mm. it's got a, a, it's about nine trillion dollars, mm. um, but basically that is mainly government bonds that the central bank has created money mm. in order to purchase. So so the treasury issued close to nine trillion in bonds, yeah. whatever it is, 
and then the Reserve Bank. Do you know what the breakup of, of ownership bank? is with with bonds? Like, is it like you know retail investors? Is it countries? Know, BlackRock owns probably. like half of them or something, or countries would own a bit. Um, so like other countries, so like yeah, and then like you know our super funds will have bonds in them. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'd say countries are big bondholders. Well, yeah, Russia used to be big bondholders. They're not anymore. <laughs> Savage, the government, you know, just confiscated. They, they, they still are. They're just frozen, aren't they? Yeah, something like that. That's right. Yeah, they're frozen. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So countries, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's not retail. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there would be like I only I've bought bonds like twice or three times in my life. Yeah, like it's it's not a retail investor thing, really. Bonds like retail investors will do it, but it's not. But, you know, but so it, it's like it, a big, big international grab ass yeah. sort of thing. Everybody's oh, like, "You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours." Well, I don't know, but the bond market apparently is a much bigger and more liquid market than the share markets, mm. and apparently yeah. the bond market people are much smarter than share market people. So mm. that's yeah. and, and having said that, though, like there would be a lot of retail, like as Annie was saying, with superannuation funds, mm. for example, yeah. who um, people who own it, but they own it through an institution. So yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like if you're looking at who actually physically owns that bond versus mm. who's actually the beneficial owner of the of the of the bond. So, you know, you'd have a superannuation fund who's bought a whole lot of, you know, bonds that, you know, probably about, you know, a third to quarter to a third would be invested of superannuation funds would be invested in mm. in bonds of some sort. Yeah. Not necessarily government bonds, but yeah. the government well, bonds are typically considered the safer ones to buy mm-hmm. unless it's like Argentina or Zimbabwe or something. Mm. Or according to Peter Schiff, the US of A. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so the, the Treasury issues the bonds, the, the IOU pieces of paper, they are promissory notes. Mm. And then um, the Reserve Bank buys them saying, okay, I'll buy this IOU off money I've just created out of thin air. Um, and then the government takes that money and goes and pays for all their obligations. Mm. And I'm guessing with a debt ceiling that for something, there's something in US law that says, all right, if we ever want to borrow more than X, we have to legislate for that. Yeah. And they're at the point where they're getting close to X and now they have to legislate. And, 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 the- and I'm guessing the Republicans are like, well, we'll use this for, you know, whatever political gain we want. Mm. Um, you know, maybe we can leverage, the, you know, we won't raise a debt ceiling unless the ruling government does X, Y, Z. And maybe when the Democrats... When the Republic, I think when the Republicans were in like under Trump, that debt ceiling issue as well, and the Democrats would have played silly buggers with it and said, "Well, you know, we want these concessions, or we're not going to raise the debt ceiling." Mm. So remember, there was some image of some dude mowing the lawn in front of um the what's that building, the White House? Yeah, there was some dude <laughs> pushing a lawnmower in front of the White House. Yeah, mowing it because the government workers weren't doing it because uh-huh. the debt ceiling, because like people in government just can't. Like they're just told they're going to work. Yeah. Then I think the debt ceiling gets raised, and then they back pay them for. Yeah. The work they didn't do, but yeah, the public themselves sometimes step up and do the the jobs. Like I guess mowing the lawn of um, the White House. Just a side check. Did you see? Um, well, maybe Trump- it's in front of the White House. I don't know. Did Did you see the? Um, I guess it was a disaster for CNN. The Trump um, uh, CNN. In- interview. Is that what you call the interview? You're a bad person or something like that. I saw. Oh yeah, yeah. You're a very nasty person. Yeah. But um, but it was like there was one answer where you just go, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say like, like Trump's Trump's a disaster, but he's also quite funny at times. But, yeah. But he was asked it was asked a question about, I think something to do with like um, you know, oh, you know, would you support raising the 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 debt ceiling? Mm. And and he and he said. 
no. And the interviewer said, well, when you were president, you said that, you know, the, the you know, Congress or whatever should always support, you know, raising the debt ceiling. What's changed? And he's like, he's like I'm not the president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, the Just for the audience, and I don't want to patronise the audience, but uh, there are things called syllogisms. Um, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. It's a basic logical argument. Um, and there's a whole bunch of logical fallacies um, that I think a bunch of like 12th or 13th century monks, they used to like have a quota of four or five litres of beer a day and they used to sit down and come up with these logical fallacies. My, my favourite being the Latin is I think post hoc ergo propter hoc or something, but after this, therefore because of this. So I walk into a room and close the door and then, you know, the light globe bursts and it's like, oh, it's because I closed the door. Maybe it is because of an air pressure thing, ironically, with that example, but, you know, it, attributing it to doing the door just because it happened after. Um, so there's a whole bunch of logical fallacies or whatever. And, um, yeah, I was, I was doing a parent-teacher night with, um, you know, the school, and I was saying, you know, I think you should teach this sort of stuff to the kids because um, the media is just mm-hmm. – and, and social media is so nonsensical mm-hmm. and there's so much – argumentation that is just nonsense and illogical and rubbish and, and so rhetorical. Um, it'd be good if the kids were, were taught how to find illogical arguments and, uh, you know, these, these the r- 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 rhetorical tools or whatever. Mm. And Tucker Carlson, he, he, he does these things, that very fallacious arguments. He puts together premises that might be factual and then draws conclusions that are illogical and unreasonable from it, but he disguises it in, in you know, factual or, or seemingly factual premises. Mm. So I'm guessing um, you probably see a lot of that in politics these days in what seems to be a very, what is it, fragmented, what is it, you know, camp us and camp them. Is this what it seems Tribalism. like? Tribalism. Tribal, yeah. It seems like that in the USA, but I'm sure there's so much oh. illogical argumentation happening in, in, in a lot of discourse around that stuff. I think there, there is a – the um, the media is awful at the moment in, in terms of if you and, and not it's not like a left right you know one side being alone being bad it's like they they it's become a football cheer squad instead of um, instead of being like say say you know you'd expect in the past that the media might be like the 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 commentary in the commentary box, you know, and you might, you know, they might have a commentator who used to play for that team, but you'd still think that they were giving you a reasonable, you know, go of what's happening on the field. Mm. But now it just feels like, you know, they're just people, you're just talking to people in the stands, like who just, who just like, they're very obviously, you know, their player never did anything wrong and, you know, it's all the other team. And yeah, it, it, it just, if you listen to the same, you know, um, you know, coverage of the same issue on different sides or even even issues that are just not covered at all because it's not convenient to one particular side's argument. It's just like I, I find it extraordinary that that, 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 that you're getting really two different. Yeah. Um, it's a high yeah. level of degeneration. Um, mm. And interesting too because it's like, oh, you know, Russian misinformation, mm. um, China mm. misinformation, whatever it is. So like but – Obviously, like, and you know, maybe it's not obvious to everyone else because you know they don't have the the brain power I do. But obviously, <laughs> this is Britain's long game for them winning the War of Independence. Like, Britain's <laughs> been working on this for like 
two hundred odd years to take back America, <laughs> and this is how they're going to do it. <laughs> but I, I think fragment I think, fragment the country, then go and invade America and say, you know, you weren't you were only independent for two hundred years. You didn't win that war. <laughs> Just a ceasefire, <laughs> <laughs> but but I think in, in the Anglosphere, it's like it's just terrible. The the you know the like it's almost like you shouldn't you shouldn't watch you know if you're watching a left wing news channel, you should just also watch a right wing news channel because it's like you're you don't get the middle ground. You just get two versions. Of yeah, crap, you, 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 yeah, yeah. No, that's right. There's, you can't go and watch somewhere and go. Oh, I'm getting no. But even from watching left and right, you don't arrive at some middle ground. No, no. It's just like I heard nonsense from one camp. Now I've heard nonsense from another camp. I've just filled my brain with double the nonsense. No, but I think I think it's like <laughs> uh, you, you get like half right from here and half right from there, and then you can kind of work your way to getting like three quarters right. Between yeah, the right. Two. No, I think and I then think there's a quarter yeah. which is just nonsense, but you don't know what it is anyway. No, I think it's all, I think it's all nonsense. Uh, I don't think you can average anything from it, unfortunately. But um, yeah. So, so, but so how, how would you take responsibility for the for the for your decisions in terms of like what you decided that you get from the media? You know what I mean? Like, well, like, how, how do you, in, in, you know, instead of eating two shit sandwiches, well, like, what, what do you, or do you just walk around thinking, I've got no idea what's going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't consume much media. I mean, yeah. Twitter and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's, um, like, that, that, that actually seems. So do you just like more concentrate on like your immediate sphere of, of operation? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I, I really don't like, again, watch much media I do, I do twitter but um and that like i guess you get people arguing with each other and then you can find little things that look like they're probably factual and, and then i try and draw my conclusions um if i even care to have a conclusion um yeah I, I i think again the way to navigate this is to have an understanding of like you know argumentation and and tricks people use in in argumentation to persuade and influence people and that's why i was saying that should be a thing that's, um, you know, mm. taught at school. It should be taught everywhere. There should be posters all over towns, you know, showing logical fallacies. That's know? the idea of- Argument, yeah. argument at authoritum What's, so, or, or straw manning, like all those things, um, you know, that's- So, so the, the big giveaway for me is when you hear a news article and it's basically going, these people are good and these people are bad. Yeah. As soon as you get like the interpretation of that, you're yeah. like- Okay, I'm not getting the full story. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's editorializing. It's yeah. like it's giving their opinion. Like what you need to say is this person saved a baby from a river and then you're like, oh, that's good. And it's like this person threw the baby in a river and then you're like, oh, that's bad. But you need to form that conclusion yourself. You don't have the news article saying this good person saved a baby from a river and this mm. bad person threw the baby in a river. Mm. But it turns out it was baby Hitler. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think you you need to like that. That for me is a is the big giveaway when you when of you know a lot of news that you get just this interpretation of uh, you know good people, bad people, and it's like, well, ha- hang on, have you told me what these bad people are actually saying? And then you go and check, and they're actually mm-hmm. saying something that's like you might not still might not be something you agree with, but it's like yeah, it's actually quite a, a reason a reasonable opinion to have. Yeah, but it sounds like it's um. It's all like falling into the the storyline of Ray Dalio, mm. and that like the on the downturn of the of empires when when debt starts racking up and they pe- just keep printing money, and inflation goes crazy, and then people start running out of resources. So then populism becomes a real thing because people yeah you can people blame. people come along and they're like, well, I'm gonna fight for this for you, and and people stop compromising because of that, and mm. and, and it means yeah, you don't it have does to sound address a lot like the that, Andre. You don't have to address the problem because if if the problem's 
normally complicated. Yeah. And it might involve saying, actually, mm. the way we've been living, we can't keep doing that. We've got to we've got to uh, make some changes which are going to be a bit painful. Mm. Um, and instead, it's easy to go, well, it's been caused by these bad people. Was it you who told me where the word scapegoat comes from? No. Where they had to blame, you know, they, they, they blame some external cause for whatever the problem is. So they used to sacrifice a goat. Like, you know, to it's you know, something's happened, we've got to sacrifice this goat, and that's what a scapegoat is. So it's oh, okay. like Yeah, the scapegoat is the thing that kind of has to cop it because people are diverting from the actual problem and creating, you know, the the you know, the gods are angry, whatever, we better kill this goat. And so it's a, so it's a scapegoat. what what I think that's what it is. What Someone told me that. Is that from? Or from? I don't know, probably Greek or something. Yeah. Who's oh, killing okay. goats? Yeah. Who's, who's doing animal subject, Anyone does animal, animal sacrifices, I guess. But yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. So, so yeah, if there's- Scapegoating. That's, you know, no, sacrificing the goat yeah. to the God. And now, now we scapegoat, you know. Well, you know, it's the X people or the Y people. They're the scapegoats now. And, you know, if they're, if they're Jewish- Or, or the X, Y people. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Jewish and it's World War Two. Then the you know poor scapegoats get put in camps and killed. So mm. scapegoating populism, um, debt ceiling. So anyway, yeah. Like if the debt ceiling doesn't get raised, there's there's serious problems. Yeah, for sure. If the debt ceiling isn't raised, America can't meet its obligations. So, so it's like just, but in on a street level sense, so it just means more pain for the population. Well, imagine Australia all of a sudden is like we're not paying Centrelink. Yes. We're not paying – our states, hospitals are a state thing, but yeah. um, we're not paying for our Especially military. Especially in Canberra, they'll take um, them off you. Yeah, like whatever it is, whatever the government, you know, oh, it's it's um the government will buy that, the government will pay for that. Mm. Imagine if the government just stops paying for anything. Yeah. Right? Then what happens? And like you're in Canberra, full of public servants, right? Mm. And you own businesses in Canberra? Yeah. What happens when the public servants aren't getting paid? Are they shopping at your business? Yeah. You know, what, what, if, what if that just collapsed? So I'm not saying the government's going to collapse, but – if the government isn't spending money, like, you know, they got building projects, I'm sure, like mm. a lot of, um, you know. And all those private consultants too that, that are operating through government. Yeah. Right? Like all those big four people and stuff. Yeah. But like what, what is it, the Keynesian thing, isn't it? When the economy slows down, the government comes in and spends and, and, and primes the pumps and get this economy going mm. again. And it was it um, Minsky or whatever saying that you can't have too much government spending and interferes with things or I don't know. I'm probably quoting what wrong economic, you know, theor- theoreticians or whatever. But like, yeah, there's this argument from, you know, that government needs to do some spending to get the economy going and then other things saying, well, government always mouse spends, so it's always a, a bad thing and maybe something in, in between that. Um, but anyway, the government not spending – you know, whatever projects they do, there's, you know, all the people involved in that supply chain all of a sudden aren't getting money. Uh, and you can imagine- and there's a flow effect from yeah. that too because they're not getting money, which means they're not spending it in the real economy either. So, so, yeah. so which for, would be deflationary if you ask me. Um, another, another significant one would be if you look at, say, um, the investment market's reaction. So, yeah. if, you, if you've got, uh, you know, if you've got someone who defaults on- if if your government defaults on their their liabilities, then who's going to want to own their bonds when they've got to they've got to turn over their portfolio of bonds, um, and so if they then have to turn them over at much higher interest rates because no one wants to own them because they're not sure whether they're going to get paid. Oh, yeah, I wasn't yeah. even thinking about the government not paying their bond obligations. If they don't pay their ob- bond obligations, and and, and obviously obviously they've got what is it thirty. Two thirty-three trillion or something like that um, in in debt, and that's a rolling debt. So mm. you know, the, the, there's you know a certain number of those bonds will mature each year, um, and so 
they have to then uh, find the money in order to to, um, to to you know to pay those out if they can't find new buyers and they you know they will probably need to find new buyers because they won't have a spare you know say you know five trillion dollars or whatever they've got to yeah. turn over each year um, so they're going to have to pay much higher interest rates because who the hell is going to want to buy a bond from a government that's in default yeah um, and so yeah the government the- that that rate yeah will affect the rates for everyone by you know uh, in the economy. So yep. if you've got a another lender, you know, say with a home loan, right? Um, that rate is relevant to the rate that they charge their you know the the home buyer or whatever. So you could get a massive flow through in the economy of really large rate hikes that are nothing to do with the central bank. Mm. Or, or uh, that's I mean that's kind of like a, a weird thing, isn't it? Because like that's kind of how it works, isn't it? The government is the safest person to lend to, therefore they're the lowest interest rate out of everything. You know, mm. get worse interest rate from the government than anything else. Mm. But if they are in default, maybe it's like, well, Berkshire Hathaway is the safest thing to lend yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. So then everything's priced relative to Berkshire Hathaway bonds. Yeah, and I mean, they, they issue bonds. Yeah, and, and maybe the central bank steps in and buys it, but that, then that's you know inflationary. Um, yeah. So in theory, that's putting money into the system that was getting withdrawn from the system. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, the debt ceiling not getting raised could be really bad, but, like, this is this has happened a few times where it hasn't been raised and then, like, government's quotation marks shut down, like non-essential government things shut down or whatever, but then it gets raised shortly. Oh, so that, that government shutdown that happened a couple of years ago, that was because of this yeah. too. Yeah. <clears throat> My memory serves me correctly. Yeah, right. Um So, yeah, like, it's – I think – the the conventional wisdom is it'll get raised. Yeah. But look, imagine if it didn't. Um, but it'll get raised. Mm. But imagine if it didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it could be really bad. Yeah. But it you know, the the the, the conventional wisdom is it'll get raised. Mm. But conventional wisdom, you know, has been wrong on so many things in history. Mm. It'll probably be right in this case, but it's not to say it will I mean be right. it's been raised so many times historically. Mm. It's it's raised every what is it? Every couple of years or something. So, yeah. um, it, it, it seems unlikely. It's just a question because I guess it's like kind of this mutual assured destruction between the Republicans and the Democrats. Yeah, and just you know how far um, are they prepared? To, they'll they'll reach a compromise. It's just where yeah. will that compromise be? Because it's so much worse if they um, if they don't uh, you know reach a compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Groman also makes the observation that as the economy slows down and I guess as shares aren't rising in price, the government gets less tax revenue, which makes it harder for them to pay their debts, mm. which makes them a less good creditor, which in theory should, well, I think this is what he says, make interest rates go up, but I might be adding that part myself. Mm. No, that sounds, sounds reasonable. Yeah. So mm. there you go. Because uh, Peter Schiffer always says that um, – he criticises the politicians for saying, oh, look, we need to raise the debt ceiling so that we can pay our debts. And he's like, well, hang on. You know, if we were paying our debts, we wouldn't have to raise the debt ceiling. The only reason that we're raising the debt ceiling is because mm. we need to mm. we need to borrow more money to pay our debts. Yeah. I like um, Peter Schiff's he's, – oh, he's Austrian economic theory, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, very, very pragmatic and sensible. Um, 
response to these things. Um, with that said, though, like I know money, modern monetary theory is supposed to be, you know, debunked or whatever. And what what is modern modern monetary theory? I think the idea is that uh, Stephanie Kilton. Sorry, I was just going to throw that name out. Is she the one who came up with it? Uh, she's she's not the one who came up with it, but she's the uh, major uh, what would you call it academic proponent of it. Yeah, and, and the idea is you can just basically keep on, like the government can just keep on borrowing money and and you know, the Reserve Bank can keep on you know quotation marks printing money for like I think forever as long as the economy is expanding. Basically, it, it, and the interest rate. I don't know what the, the, I don't know what the interest rate has to be for it. Isn't the, isn't the biggest thing is that uh, all this you know all these issues about you know debts and will we have to pay debts and all this kind of stuff is is nonsense according to modern modern monetary theory. What actually matters is inflation, so that you can you can um, because what's not what because there's this thing about chicken and egg, right? So um, is it that the government, you know, issues a bond to get the money in order to spend it or can the government just spend and then does it issue the bond to take the money out of the system so that you don't get inflation? So they issue a bond to take money out of the system. How do, so because someone has to buy it. So yeah, or, Joe, or Joe, let's talk about taxes rather Joe than Joe Public buys the bond. Let, let, let's talk which taxes. Which means he now no longer has money in the bank to spend, so he's taking money out of the system that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just clarifying that for yeah. the audience and me, but mostly the audience. Um, so the modern monetary theory is saying what? What's the, so, what's so, the cross so that it, argument then? So it's saying that there's that, that you know conventional theory is incorrect in that we think – Okay, well, we'll say say going. Let's use taxes and spending because that's a clearer thing than 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 debt. But so conventional theory is government, raise, you know, raises money in taxes, and then it goes and spends it on services. Um, and then you got to make sure you you know you balance your budget, whatever. But the modern monetary theorists think that's actually a load of nonsense. What because the government can just spend. And the purpose of the taxes is to then suck the money back out of the system so that you don't get inflation. So it's actually, you know, is that actually what's happening? Is that actually, you know, because there's nothing wrong with the government spending as long as that spending is then, you know, the the money that's spent into existence, uh, you know, doesn't become inflationary and the way to do that is to remove it from the system or to spend it as you sort of alluding to like on some sort of economic growth like uh you know new infrastructure which makes the economy more uh more efficient i remember reading a book on it because like i heard it being slammed a lot and like i i, I like to say think my think of myself as a practical austrian at heart but when i read the book i was like pretty persuasive argument like I was like oh, I don't know like you know this isn't this like it doesn't sound like ridiculous nonsense um, when I read the book um, and yeah so I, I, I don't remember the details but the vibe was pretty persuasive argument but I'm still not convinced but I'm willing to concede that maybe it is actually the right thing but I just I'm not I'm not convinced isn't the issue the same as the issue that um, like so say with Keynesian economics where it's, it's like you know the government should be kind of like the counter to what's happening in the private sector so if the if the economy's booming the the government should be raising more in taxes ru- running a budget surplus to remove money from the system so it doesn't you know become inflationary and in reverse if you know the private private sector is sort of 
having a downturn, the government should spend more money than it raises in taxes to stimulate the economy. And that that kind of makes sense. But you get these problems like we've had recently where it's like, okay, we're in a recession, let's spend, you know, uh, to get us out of a recession and then we come out of a recession and the budget's still in deficit and it never goes back to surplus. Yeah, well, I mean, again, like I think going to the modern monetary theory thing, which, mm. which again, vibe, not not details, mm. if, if the government or if the system can just keep on expanding, yep. money can just keep on expanding, debt yep. can keep yep. on expanding, like as long as it's not a problem, it's not a problem. Yeah. That, and that's it. So it's like, you know, it, it seems like, oh, you know, you can't just keep on doing it. But it's like, well, we kind of have been doing it and nothing's gone wrong. So maybe we can. And like, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but look, you're walking closer to the edge of a cliff and you're going to fall off it at some point. It's like, but I keep on walking and never reach the end of the cliff. We jumped out of the plane. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so who knows? But like, I, I remember like, you know, like just reading people's a derision of modern, modern yeah. monetary theory. But then when I read the argument yeah. itself, which I don't remember the details of, I was like, look, it it, it kind of like, it, it's a good argument, but it's one of those things where I think ultimately it was like, it's like it works until it doesn't work. Yeah. And then that's, and, and, and like, you know, you and I yeah. probably have a stronger sense of gravity with our economic, you know, conservatism, I guess you'd say. Um, but it doesn't mean just because we do, we're right. Yeah, but so. but, but I, I think that the the key is um the, the or the the danger is that um people kind of with a system where you know the government spends money into existence and then just tries to control inflation in part through taxes, um then the 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 issue is that you might get a an undisciplined government where where they're uh, less concerned about inflation and more happy with with um, spending money on stuff, um, but but in, in a, on a on a broad sense, if they're spending the money efficiently into into you know things that are making the economy more productive, and consequently um, you know uh, things run more efficiently, then you can have more you know, and you're growing the economy, then you can have more money in the system. It's it's interesting too that um, like so you're a business. You're expanding. You reinvest your earnings to expand more because you're getting a good return on equity, or good return on capital employed. You borrow from the bank and use that money to, or issue bonds and use that money to expand because you're getting a better return than the interest rate. And you know your your debt increases, mm. but the value of your businesses and the cash flows you generate increases even more. So you're you're getting richer, right? And that's that's a good business. We wouldn't invest in a business like that potentially, right? Um, that's kind of like, you know, what modern modern monetary theory is, you know, supposed to look like from from my memory. It's interesting that coincident with the rise in modern monetary theory, I guess, being, you know, valued or considered, is the um, businesses that are supposed to it doesn't matter if we're not making a profit now. We're going, we're gaining market share, mm. and you know when we dominate the entire market, then we'll start making the money. Um, you know, like a, I, I don't know enough about Peloton, for example, um, but like a lot of businesses that are in the tech space, uh, money losers, and the argument is, but we'll stop being money losers once we get to a certain point, and then we'll dominate the, in, the industry, mm. and then people are like, yeah, but if you look at your valuations and and the debt, the expansion you need is 
exponential. Um, I think Kathy Wood's argument for why Telstra should be worth Tesla. Te- oh, sorry, Tesla. <laughs> yeah, Telstra. <laughs> She's gone into telecom. Um, but but yeah, she she said something about Tesla being worth some crazy money because um, the the people won't own cars and they'll use Teslas as taxis. Yes. Yep. Or whatever. And she came up with some valuation and I was like a little clip of Hugh Hendry responding to it, right? Um, and he's like, yeah, so the thing is like the average American household spends like, I don't know what it was, like $70 a year on taxis. Mm. He's like, for her valuation to make sense, the average household has to spend $70,000 a year on taxis or something. That was, it was insane, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, maybe I got the numbers wrong, but um, the that 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 – you know, it, it will get that big and it will be worth that much, mm. right? Like that that thinking that's been pretty like, you know, pervasive and like as a value investor, like I've been like scratching my head for over a decade on like how are these companies going up so much? Like you look at the the financial statements, you look at the fundamentals, it just doesn't make sense. But they just keep on going up and you're like, you know, and this is like, who's that guy, the uh, Toby, Tobile, Tobias Carlyle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like these guys lamenting like, you know, how come the right thing isn't working? Like yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've been in that um, thing as well. Um, like just looking at it going, how are these things going up so much? But yeah, that all seems to coincide with um, the rise of modern monetary theory. And, mm. you know, someone might just say, well, yeah, it's just like, you know, nonsense has worked in the um, stock markets and that's made people think that nonsense works in the monetary markets as well. Who knows? And now – we have, um, you know, a bunch of these companies all of a sudden not getting funding and not getting funded for their, you know, growth that one day is, you know, going to justify their prices and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that, that, that bubble in some of these things, you know, seems to have been pricked. And at, at the same time, people are also saying, oh, this monetary, modern monetary theory is a load of nonsense too. So they seem to have gone like hand in glove, um, mm. the MMT and these valuations to the moon on, you know, hope of what will happen in the future yeah. or, you know, anticipation of what, you know, the promoters say will happen in the future. Yeah. I mean, we're theory, theoretically not running modern monetary theory. We're just running big big deficits globally. Well, so, yeah, unless you're at a point where you can't actually pay the deficits and you've got to keep on, you know, doing bigger deficits, but it's okay because the economy's growing and it will justify it. Like, I think that's what the... So who's on the right side of all this debt? You know what I mean? Like who's who's the counterparty to the debt? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Like a good question, and it's you know an what interesting I mean? answer. Like uh, who? Like where's the who's China? who's where's the big who's where's the, the China button? Oh, <laughs> China! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's China holds a lot of debt. Um, no, 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 no. Like not the people that take it out, but the people that are like giving the stuff out that have got the money to give out. Yeah, the China. Oh, right. Press it again. Oh, China. Okay. <laughs> But having having said China, that, yeah. having said that, so, that, so, that, 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 that's probably true up until sort of whatever two thousand and fifteen or yeah whatever. But it has become much more that the central banks own the debt, which gets spooky, right? Yeah. That, so it's like Illuminati bloody sort of well wearing c- c- capes and shit. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Um, it's, but, but, well, 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 what's what's okay? One China. Yeah. Um, for example, they like this is a thing that's been said. Like you know, China makes stuff, sells it to the US, um, and then gets US money. Then uses US money to buy US government debt 
which allows the US to keep on borrowing, which allows the US consumer to buy more crap from China. And then China keeps on, you know, buying US debt because for some reason China wants to keep selling their crap to America and they're willing to then lend America money for that to happen. Because they wanted to develop their industries. But I think that that system has kind of broken down now. Like the Chinese aren't buying large amounts of US debt at the moment. Yeah, so, sure. I, I think around 2015 or whatever, yeah, like that's the stuff yeah, I've seen yeah. too, saying that they've, um, you know, decelerated or, or even started unloading or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the central banks buying the debt, that is like um, the quotation marks independent, you know, bank that creates money to lend to the US government or, or, or Australia in, in our, you know, reserve bank or whatever, um, you know, they, they, they then hold the government debt and – the government, they're independent from the government, but they're controlled by the government. Mm. But it's not like some weird ass outrageous thing if you ask me, because I mean, in theory, the government could just say, well, we're the central bank and we're creating money out of thin air. Isn't that just like the thing that's super, like Japan is like the super creepiest like monetary They state. have the highest debt to GDP ratio uh, according to this- yeah, yeah, it's something like two seventy five or something. Percent yeah, of GDP. so this this article from Inside a Monkey, I've never heard of this website before. Um, 264%, yeah. 264 debt to GDP ratio. It's quite an interesting list. They had the top twenty five of this of this metric here, and it's like all the n- names you would expect, like a lot of you know developing nations and South America, like I think Venezuela or something is like number two, maybe. Well, I think the names you'd expect to have a high debt G- to GDP would actually be the richest countries. Well, it's, that would be my expectation. Well, it, the, the the I was surprised. I would expect it to be that like all the like sort of I guess poorer countries or whatever because you know they got no money so they rack up debt. But it was quite diverse. There was like you know the US is in there, the Canada's in there, um, but then like some African nations and so. It's, it did- just going back to Japan for a second on mm. that, right? So the interesting thing with Japan is, I don't know the figure off the top of my head, but the Bank of Japan, uh, how much of that debt is owned by the Bank of Japan? And uh, it's a very large amount. A very large amount of that debt is owned by the central bank, uh, which has been basically buying uh, government debt. Um, and... Uh, the thing that's kind of a little bit – apparently there's hardly any liquidity in the the Japanese bond market. Mm. And the reason is because there's lots and lots and lots of bonds on issue, yeah. but they're, they're largely owned by the central bank. Yeah, it says and, here. And, so this, this sentence here, uh, this amount of debt is mostly in its own currency. The central bank holds part of it while domestic savers hold the rest. Only 7% of its – uh, of it is foreign owned, therefore the country is hardly dependent on the kindness of foreigners. Yeah, I was going to say, um, minus thing was a lot of the debt is actually held. Sorry, they've got a really high debt to GDP, but they've also got an extremely high savings rate internally. So they're all like, just like scratching each other's weird. back, sort of thing, like it, it, like but, those but, monkeys in the hot on in the hot. Pool. So, so, so this is where it gets really creepy, right? So, so you've got a central bank which owns all this debt, mm. um, and the uh, Japanese savers who. I mean, it's better that the Japanese savers own it than 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 have have foreign creditors. Mm. But obviously, you would think that those Japanese savers would have that saving to say fund their retirement. Yeah. So, what happens effectively when you know they cash those bonds in? It's like the government has to. You know, what's the difference between this and them? The government just paying them a 
a pension. Do you know what I mean? Like, because they they've got their savings in money that the government owes them, and the government's going to have to get their hands on the money to give them back their money to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's are like, you saying like in in the old days in Australia, for example, I paid my taxes for forty years, and I get a you know government pension for that. And you're saying what's the difference between that mindset and setup versus um, these guys holding bonds and then just selling them to the government because the government just kind of has to. Create money to say I can afford to buy your bonds. Okay, so that- so so let, let me give you another another example of kind of the same thing, right? So like the U.S. Social Security lockbox, which is basically, um, you know, the government, you know, effectively people pay into this you know social security scheme, and within it, the government goes, oh, we've got to keep it all separate from the, you know separate revenue because we're funding this specific social security scheme and what they've done with all the money is buy government bonds with that. Um, but their question then is, d- does, does that exist at all? Because if all you all the government's done is taken the money and bought its own debts, is that any different from, and this is probably a, like a Peter Schiff example where, is that any different from me writing myself a check mm. because all the money, if they didn't have any money in that locked box, if they didn't have any, any bonds in that locked box, yeah. how would the government pay for the social security? Oh, well it issued bonds. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of, um, uh, you know, d- does, does it even exist? You know, the government effectively having a fund uh, and the fund is full of IOUs and the IOUs are from the government. Is that is that not a creepy thing? Like, and this is the same thing with the, with I mean, it's a slightly different thing with, with Japan. But there's a lot of like, uh, money circles that are like, does anything actually actually exist in here? Like, does does all that two hundred and sixty four percent debt you know to GDP of the Japanese government? If most of that's owned by the central bank, does the does, does the government actually owe two hundred and sixty four percent of GDP? Yeah, because they the central bank could go, nah. We'll just cross it all off, right? And, and and like I think the Reserve Bank of Australia, all the profits go to the Australian government, right? And I think with the Federal Reserve in the USA, like 99.99% of the profits or something yep. go to the government. So it's like they're independent from the government, but any money they make goes to the government. So, And you get to vote who's the head of it. So, you know, surely you could just vote someone who's going to say, we'll cancel that debt. Yeah, but but apparently, apparently there's a um, – well, I've I've heard you know market commentators because I, I, I can't really see the difference between it being there and not there. But apparently, um, if you if you were to do that, there'd be a massive loss of confidence in markets about. Well, actually, no, you don't even have a system here to withdraw that that currency from from existence at all. You've just printed it all, and now we don't want to have anything to do with your you know investments in your in your bond market and. Um, yeah, so it's it's a, apparently there's there, there's reasons for it still existing, but it's it's it, to me it gets into like this creepy world of like of you know do things actually exist? Yeah, I prefer the word bizarre to creepy. Creepy has such a I don't know 
certain dark connotation. <laughs> maybe but not. it is a maybe, little maybe bit dark, it does isn't it? A dark it's con- a bit connotation. dark. It's a bit sort of dreadful, sort of, yeah. yeah. It, it is dark, though, isn't it? Isn't I know, it like isn't someone, that- someone's staring at, at me while I'm in the bathroom. Like through the window on the street, like under an umbrella, or whatever. You don't think it's, it's like, like that? that's creepy, <laughs> <laughs> Andre? What are you doing you, there? You think it's more like like some some uh, like someone dressed in a in a clown suit at your office meeting or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I, I guess it's that one, isn't it? Trench coat versus clown suit. <laughs> Which one do you want? Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, I, I think the thing is though, like so much of engagement with the world is constructed illusion. Mm-hmm. Like very – there's the material world that we engage with and then most of our activity and consciousness is on immaterial things, which is all just like fake and made up probably. So like, you know, our our social conventions, our, our concept of manners, pride, you know, jealousy, all, all these things, they're all – all non-material things and they're so meaningful to us um you know you, you the, the the girl you're interested in smiling at you whatever like it's um and, and the emotions you get from that and, and the, your interpretations of what that means all that sort of stuff is you know you're not eating that but you will go without food for it yeah um so yeah the idea that we've got this bizarre slash creepy monetary thing where the people who have the debt and spend it also can make it exist and and and, and not exist. It's like, well, that's just a, another thing of the immaterial world that we engage in, and it's like some sort of um, hallucination or, or or irreal thing that we subscribe to. So it doesn't it doesn't seem as I guess creepy or bizarre to me because of that, because so much of our experience in the human world mm. is um basically what we create in our own minds anyway yeah like an insult you know something like that or you know i I could tell you know a story that sounds really sad and and that make people like you know have physical tears yeah but it's just words that came out of my mouth yeah and and it's images that came in their head and memories that they drew on but it's all you know and the memories what are they from brain chemistry so like yeah. you know, where is, is a memory actually in your head? Are you touching the memory? Some chemical reaction. So yeah, mm. for me it doesn't seem as wacky. Yep. And I think as, as long as people want to keep on playing the game, the game keeps on getting played. Yeah. And that and that game could be the monetary system, or that game could be willing to stop at red lights, or the game could be you know not um, killing people because you just want to do it. Yeah, like we might we we all kind of subscribe to a game, and the and the system kind of works because we all agreed that we'll basically play by the same game. Yep. So yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem that whack to me. Hmm. That's full on. This <laughs> this is a deep ass rabbit hole. One minute, one one hour, six minute rabbit hole. Um. So yeah, brutal. So maybe we'll move on. Um. <laughs> just, just before we do. Yeah. Oh, I know why. I went to the. Bo- <laughs> the bathroom and there was a big black thing on my ear. I'm like, why didn't these guys tell me I've got a big black thing on my ear? Oh, the the, the <laughs> earpieces are degrading. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> I only realised when I put my headset, oh, well. Yeah, fine. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's, it's just because they got the long lead there. So No, no. no, I, no I, I had a, a big black thing on my ear before I left, actually. Cesaria Avora's golden voice. 
Are they like brutal headphones? Tube no, she's like, my, my wife was like, who's your favorite diva? And I was like, Cesaria Avora. And she's like, who's Cesaria Avora? And I was like, you don't know who Cesaria Avora is? And What's yeah. the name of that dude that, that looks like me? That funny bearded guy with the long hair? Andre. Oh, from Third Rock from the Sun. No, 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 no. There was a picture, there was a profile picture of me on my computer and you were like, ha, you look like this guy. And uh, it was like some like, I don't know, Greek looking like crooner or something. Oh, Demis Roussos. Yeah. <laughs> Demis Roussos. <laughs> the caftan wearing Adonis. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. And if you haven't heard Cesaria Avora, check her out. She's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping we could move on to- um, preparing for aged care. So just out of curiosity and, and I guess uh, future planning and stuff, I started doing a bit of research in the context of my family and, and, and in particular my mum and like what what's it going to look like if, if aged care or in-home care is required and things like that. And through that I came across in particular like a means test um, where you sort of run your assets through and what sort of wealth you have. And if you've got significant wealth, it seems like the the, the system is set up to sort of decentralize wealth from that point. Like, so, I don't know, maybe as if families can't amass a generation on generation sort of thing, it's like they make it so expensive that like you've got to sell your house or or, or, or get rid of lots of assets to 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 be able to fund those, you know, if you have particularly have to go into like residential care and stuff like that. I guess an argument could be that it's not the state's job to fund you for all these things when you can fund it for yourself. It's like you got the money for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why and tax and, and, and I guess that? that too. And um, but I, I was wondering, is it is it like is it an an actual strategy you could do to like get rid of your assets, like pass them on to family or gift them yeah, there all is. your assets to people so it looks for like sure. you got nothing when for it's sure. time to go in? Well, yeah, or, or you do have nothing. Um, yeah, there is. And often, I think it's a five-year thing, isn't it? The government says- um it's gifting. Yeah. yeah, for gifting. If you gift anything, um, we'll, we're going to imagine you still have it for the next five years. So yeah, It's like, right. it's like te- you can do $10,000 per year. Um, and up to a maximum of thirty thousand dollars over five years, uh, that will be exempt. So if yeah, you, you know, what about things like houses and stuff? So it, this is. I don't this, think your primary residence is counted in this but, test, but I could but, be wrong. I haven't done it for a okay. while. So so this gets complicated, and this is every financial planner's like nightmare because it's. Like, and this should be a specialist field, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, the the reason is, is like you get a client sort of once a year, and then yeah, and every time you get the new client, it's like. Oh damn! They changed the rules since last time. Yeah, so, right. Um, but but basically, as you get, as you move from like so, the there's different uh, things are counted under Centrelink for things like age pension uh, as opposed to age care. Mm. So there, I'm going to keep these general because I can't, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head. But they'll count more assets. Yeah. Um, especially things like houses if they're yeah. not. Say occupied, yeah. Um, by like a you know a partner or yeah. or you know whatever. Um, uh, as counting towards the assets test for yeah for aged care. Um, so 
you're likely to be like there's much lower thresholds and you're likely to have to um, sort of contribute more substantially if you've got any sorts of assets, including things like a a house that you no longer live in. Um, And and normally it does – because there are things like, you know, bonds that you'd have to pay for uh, an aged care facility. Yeah. Uh, you might need a certain amount of capital up front, so it's quite likely that that you know people will have to sell the house in yep. order to to fund that. Yep. Um, there used to be sort of exemptions with, like you know, renting out a property to pay like the whatever the daily fee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and things like that, but I, I think they've actually changed that now. But yeah, but but it is it is likely that you know if all you've got is the house, and then they suddenly put that in as as whereas it's that's exempt for age pension, mm. um, but for aged care, if you've got an unoccupied house, they're going to go. Well, that's an asset. Yeah, you yeah. need to you need to um, contribute a bond towards your accommodation. Mm. Um, the, the only flip side is that most people don't go into aged care and and like that. Most people don't spend a long time in aged care. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, because they'd normally get there, say, you know, something like six months to two years before they end up passing on. Yeah, okay. Um, so um, it's, you know, people can spend a bit a bit more time than that, mm. but, but um, for most people it's quite a short, I think it's about two years yeah. um, that they spend in there. So that's the average time, is it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, think, I think by the time people get to the point where they can't live in their own home. Yeah. Um, and look after themselves with maybe a support, yeah. you know, a government support worker yeah. or whatever coming around and doing things. Yeah. Um, once you at that stage, generally pretty close to towards the, the yeah. end. Um, I mean, that's, again, not to say everyone's in that situation, but so so d- although it's quite expensive, it can be quite expensive, but it's generally for a short period of time. That was only yeah. was getting yeah, yeah. To, I've already got my retirement plan worked out in the aged care situation. I just haven't told my wife about it yet, so she hasn't agreed to it. But I've got a mate who's Thai citizen, and um, the idea is that when we get to retirement age, we collectively, a bunch of us, chuck in and, and, and buy a resort, a small resort in Thailand. And um, as oldies, we run the resort, and um, as, as we shift into older age, we end up with um, medical people on the resort and that becomes our aged care facility and then we get a couple of other, you know, people living in it and um, funding the, the nurses and the medical staff there. So it's like we, we own and live in our own aged care facility. Is that an actual plan? Yeah. Oh. But I haven't told my wife. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, babe. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, like the, the, the dude who's Thai, um, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about buying a resort in Thailand and a bunch of us living there. That's cool. Yeah, you can come too, Dre. Thanks, man. You know the guy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Pro- prolific diver in soccer, as it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, we can dive into the uh, emerald waters of of uh, Thailand. Yeah, of, of Lake Mitatunka. Because <laughs> <laughs> because I always wonder about, um, you know, the because when you're older, that you know, you want a high quality access to a high quality health care system that's largely paid for by other people i want to kind of just like once my body goes crap die i was talking to <laughs> a friend of mine how i reckon there should be a thing like i want this but you know my, my wife doesn't like this idea at all you get a thing put in your brain 
when you're starting to degenerate to the point where it's physically painful and it's just like a random timer that's going to explode at some point you don't know when so it kind of like forces you to die what's it? this is suicide i guess technically right um <laughs> euthanasia um suicide um but yeah you, so you got this thing in your brain it's like an explosive device and it just blows up at some point and once it's in your brain it's like it could blow up at any time you just don't know and that's it. So then you don't fear death or you fear it constantly. Um, but the or idea, you just be mad thankful and but, just fucking yeah, full carpe diem. Exactly. Life. Every day you got to live like as your last because it might be. So it raises the quality of life unless you're petrified of the thing blowing up. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. And then you don't have to be, you know, worried about dying because I don't know. I kind of I feel like what, you, what you've – so. I kind of feel like what you've described is the function of losing loved ones and grief. That's what – the effect that you've – Described there, mm. I feel that's that's what the function of like close people dying in. What do you mean? That's a function. In, you think people being close to me dying has made me want this? No, no, not well, not want that. But like you know, it, it, in terms of the effect that having this ticking time bomb that it's going to fucking explode your head. <laughs> Sorry, it's a very funny concept. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to be like, you know, seize the day and be thankful and stuff oh, like right. that. Oh, right, you should you do know? that with loved ones. And, and I, I, like, well, at least in my experience. Especially elderly loved ones. At, le- at least in go, my yeah. experience, that that's that outcome. Because you had a loved one die recently. Yeah, that, and also, I was, and not to conflate pet ownership with, like, family and stuff, but I, I have a, uh, I've just recently acquired a dog that I, I fucking love stacks, and <laughs> but you think and it's like fully like member of the family, and I just think it's like their their lives are, are so short, mm. and it's quite an intense thing to pack that much love into a short amount of time. So it's like I just find myself being like I just want to enjoy every day, all the moments I can with this little thing. It's like super cool. Should Andre get pet insurance, or do you self insure? Uh, self insure if you can afford to. I reckon pet what's, insurance. What's self-insure? Insure my- you just pay for it when you need it. I reckon pet insurance because um, like if you've got a dud pet, I think it just keeps on compounding. Dude, I was watching in The Current Affair. Um, these people had a French bulldog, which are renowned like mm. pet traps, and they took it to an emergency. It started like limping on its back legs. They take it to an emergency vet. It ended up needing spinal surgery, all these MRIs. Da, 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 da. They get the dog back. The dog survives. $37,000 bill. Mm. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I think because pets are bred, right? So if the breeding's crap breeding is going to be like an expensive thing. And remember that we found some cats um, on the highway. Went to, you know, in Australia, people pull over and just urinate on the highway, get over it, everyone else. Um, apparently, they don't do that in America. Yeah. Like, I was doing it with. Um, is this, are you describing the story of the famous pair of cats? Yeah. 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 So, um, found these cats, like little kittens or whatever, when I was, um, you know, urinating by the road. And um, it, was, it was my brother. And I'm like, oh, look at these little kittens. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, what do we do? And I'm like, and he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, should we just like run over them and kill them? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, why? And I'm like, well, like you don't want feral cats. Like, you know, they're just here. You don't want them to be feral cats killing the native wildlife or whatever. And he's like, oh, no, I think we could take them and find a home for them. I'm like, yeah, that seems like a heap more palatable than like just killing them. <laughs> so, <laughs> Probably <good. laughs> So, um, yeah, we um, took them, you know, had them. They were, they were adorable um, and showed them to some friends and, and some friends adopted them. But they, like, I don't know, did they spend like 15 grand on one of those cats for vet bills or something? And, like, they were like, oh, it's part of the family. Like, we spend the money. But it's like, oh, yeah. God, that was a that was a lemon. 
Probably should have run over him that day. Yeah, right. Fifteen grand is that over the lifetime? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. They spent a lot and that, of money. That's on like it. an infinite maintenance cost because you didn't pay anything for it. Yeah, the yeah, I guess. Yeah, but they spent a lot of money on it, and um, they got a lot of joy. And I'm guess they're quite glad we didn't run over the cats. But yeah, at the same time, they probably could have loved any cat. You know, yeah. And maybe these cats were dumped there because they were dysfunctional genetic cats or something. I don't know. Anyway, we didn't kill the cats. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Netflix documentary? Don't fuck with cats. No. Oh, it's pretty brutal. Check it out. Someone told me they trained themselves to meow. Like meowing isn't a thing they do in nature. They did that to get a reaction from humans. And I was telling this to a mate who's a dog guy and he's like, well, no other animals in the world have eyebrows. Eyebrows express, um, you know, emotion and sympathy and all that. He's like, but dogs have eyebrows. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and he, he, I think he was trying to, you know, put it that um, dogs train themselves to have eyebrows or something because wild dogs don't have them apparently. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I don't. I'm, I'm not an animal person. So. Yeah. I. I uh, yeah. I. I. I mean, I've had dogs in the past, and uh, one had a uh, lost its, you know, legs, mm. back legs. As, mm. as not lost them, but like yeah. lost power in them. All yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. I just. I. I didn't. I wasn't gonna give him surgery to try and. Yeah. Because I mean, he was close to the end anyway. So. Yeah. I know someone whose name will not be mentioned on this, but this person had a dog and um, was, you know, using it um, for for various purposes, um, you know, like functional purposes, a functional dog. And um, it wasn't as functional as it should be. And the, and the person was like, ah, I don't want this dog. Can't it be good if the dog was dead? And as the person's like mulling over this thing, the dog somehow got into rat poison <laughs> and then took the dog to the vet. And the vet's like, all right, we can save the dog. And the guy's like, oh, okay. They're like, you know, it's going to cost this much. And the guy's like, I don't want to spend this much money on the dog. And they're like, all right, we'll do it pro bono, blah, blah, blah. And the person's like, nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then the person's like, and the vet looked at me like, you bastard, you poisoned your own dog. You're too much of a pussy to watch it die. <laughs> and you brought it to us to deal with. They got the biggest evils from the vet. <laughs> Wait, did you just place yourself in that story? No, no, oh, no, it wasn't me. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a pet. I had one pet, a dog, and it died. And then after that, no dogs. So mm. Maybe I'm even more loyal than dogs. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so so aged care. Did we finish that discussion? Well, the you, you got the the, the IED or whatever it's called, uh, improvised <laughs> explosive <laughs> device in the brain. Um, and, and, and the retirement the retirement thing in Thailand. But look, I don't know what the solution is for other people. And um, yeah, like it's like, yeah, for my parents, um, like, you know, we're, we're European background. Um, if I have to wipe, you know, my dad's ass, I'll wipe his ass, but he doesn't want me wiping his ass. So God knows what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he, went through, that- he went through that with his mother and she ended up in some place for the, like, the last one or two years. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, she was like, you know, kind of quiet in a room, whatever. I don't want to be like that though. Like again, like that's where you want the thing just to blow up in your brain and you don't have to go through that. But I, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. Oh, yeah. I just, I don't know enough about aged care and I know that I don't want to suffer the pains of age. Yeah, I'm not going to get into, I'm not gonna, going to uh, go for your IED option. Well, we all have it in a, uh, we all have it anyway. We just don't realize it. We all got, we don't know where we're going to go, James. So we've all got the IED. The IED oh, could be a drunk yeah. driver. The IED could be, you know, a knife juggling accident when you're trying to show off to your friends. Who knows? But, Who but knows? your option did seem like it was an actual intervention. It is, and it's certain <laughs> as well. 
but yeah, I, I, like yeah, what do you do with aged care? Like, um, we we had a royal commission into a in Kuma, we had a dementia patient, um, having the the aged care facility called the police, and the police tasered a ninety five year old woman who had a walking frame and um a yeah. Nice. A knife. Um, I've I've heard it's a butter knife. I've heard that you can't really stab someone with a knife whilst holding onto a walking frame. Um, apparently, she's moving very slowly to the police, even if that's true, because they won't release the body cam footage. So, um, yeah, it's um, like it's a it's a bloody disaster. Aged care in Australia, from the sound of things. I think so. I think it's a it is a tough one though, isn't it? Because the amount of to do to to provide a proper amount of care to someone who needs care around the clock is mm. extremely expensive and to do that, um, you know, it's like how much – like we, we've got a number of government programs mm. um, that are expensive and good mm. and we'd like to, you know, do as well as we can with them. But we are we are cutting back on the NDIS, the mm. National Disability Insurance Scheme. Mm. Uh, we are – you know, well, I think that's been rorted quite a lot. The NDI. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are, you know, uh, bad things going on, and and I'm not, you know, again. It, but it does look like there are a number of areas, whether it's Medicare or, you know, the various things that we we do have to prioritise, and um, it is it is difficult um, to determine what is the highest priority. You know, because all these things, you know, is it. Is cancer treatment more important than, you know, more money for aged care? You know, I mean, you know. Well, this is the thing. Like, there's, there's, uh, it seems to be that there's not a bottomless pit of money. So you got to, you got to make sacrifices. Mm. I've had this argument with people talking about, oh, you know, there should be more of, you know, we need to solve this problem. The government needs to solve this problem. And I'm like, okay, so if the money solves that problem, then what about this other group that, mm. you know, doesn't get the money then? Straw like, men. Well, it's not straw manning. It's like you know, you know, what, what, what's your priority? Like you know, you yeah. have to, like at, at some point, the government needs to stop solving problems. And if they're supposed to solve every problem, they don't have the money for it. So who misses out? Like yeah. it's just reality. And it, it so, is really a prioritization. And a lot of people say the government needs to do something about it. Yeah. And they themselves don't do anything about it. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you do something instead of getting the government to do it? Mm. It's like imagine if like people were just like I don't know kicking puppies in their head constantly, right? Mm. And it's like the government needs to do something about this. And it's like, yeah, but you're kicking a puppy in the head while you're saying that. Mm. And they're like, well, I'm not going to stop because everyone else does it. So I may as well just, you know, I'll stop when everyone stops. When the government makes a stop, I'll stop. And it's like, dude, if you're kicking puppies in the head is wrong, just stop doing it now. But there's a lot of things where like, you know, people do things that, you know, oh, there's no point in me stopping because it won't change anything. Mm. And it's like, well, at least one less person kicking a puppy in their head. Mm. But I guess pollution could be the example if you believe all that, you know, environmental stuff. Like, you know, people polluting and, and, and being wasteful with energy and the government needs to do something. And it's like, yeah, okay, why don't you start by like not wasting energy? Why don't you become more energy efficient? Why don't you walk places rather than driving? Mm. Why don't you catch public transport? But, you know, I'm not going to do it because no one else does. Mm. The government needs to make us do it. Then I'll do it. It's like, well, obviously your value system mm. means that it's not that important to you. That actually kind of segues into a uh, an article I came across uh, in the Australian, the Vanguard is the target of like extinction rebellion and all these uh, like environmental groups basically saying they need to change their indexes, is change their indexes and make everything uh, like so. Um, the old ESG. Yeah, or do like ESG, their whole policies and stuff like that. And um, and I noticed that the, 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 the um, 
the Berkshire Hathaway voting points that we discussed last week, they were like that way inclined as well. Mm. And um, yeah, so they want to they wanted to improve proxy voting on environmentally related shareholder proxies. This is for Vanguard. Yep. Commit to Paris Climate Agreement goal uh, to limit global warming to 1.5. Shift investment policy to manage climate risk. Integrate climate justice into business decisions. And and when I see this, it's like my immediate impulse is to say, "Well, how does get fucked sound?" And go like, <laughs> like <laughs> well, like go and invest in something that does do this, and then take the money away from Vanguard that way. If if what you're doing is really that awesome. Fucking go! You do it with someone that does. Like I've quite enjoyed seeing on on Twitter all these people who um you know have you know see, seem to be really into saving the planet and all that sort of stuff. Also saying they refuse to buy a Tesla because they don't like Elon Musk anymore. Mm. And it's like, well, what's more important, saving the planet or, you know, like if you really want to save the planet and that involves giving Elon Musk some money, mm. like, you know, is, it, is is not giving Elon Musk money the priority or saving the planet? Mm. So, yeah. And look at That's- this knob fucking yelling in the picture. He's wearing a polar fleece. Think of all the microplastics going into the environment from that. Denim, super polluting fabric to make. <laughs> That's true on both points. Well, <laughs> but, but, but I think, say with the ESG thing, I think that um, it is, it's interesting in that, um, like broadly speaking, I think that it makes sense to have, say, an ESG funds where mm. people can make the choice to, uh, you know, to invest their yeah, you know, funds ethically. In some respects, um, you know, ESG funds have, uh, you know, performed well in particular circumstances because yeah. a lot of it, a lot of the growing industries are, you know, uh, say, you know, uh, new energy type industries. Mm. Um, so, and they've got a lot more growth to them, and and you know, you know, there's there's various bits and pieces that are good about them. There there is also this on the flip side onto you. How does go yeah. get fuck sound? Yeah, um, there is this kind of political intervention where you the it's not it's not the case that if you went through all the things that ESG meant, I can tell you this mm. for sure um, that that I would agree with everything that's that's you know under kind of an ESG um, uh, what would you call it uh, like a, a screen? Yeah. So and and it becomes a thing where um, because okay, so so this is a we're kind of straying into cultural stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I have, um, it's been said that you know how there's been a, a number of companies, say for instance, that with the Bud Light thing or whatever, yeah, where they have kind of like committed, you know, like well, not quite suicide, but you know, mm. gone on some sort of campaign where you go. What were you thinking? Yeah. Why, why would you even? Why would you have even like gone down that path at all? Mm. Um, you know, whether it's the Gillette thing or the mm. or the you know the Bud Light thing or whatever. Um, and it's been said. I don't know if this is true or not, but that they they're trying to tick boxes to get into ESG indexes. Yeah. Right. And so. As long ah, as as long as they yeah, don't okay. blow themselves up completely, yeah, 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 yeah. Then then they, they tick boxes, and then they're in an in an index, and then they know they'll get bought. Uh, Why don't they just have a good business so, and let the earnings? 
will determine the valuation of the company. So this you is see, what, see, this is what because money's flowing into ESG, right? So and 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 yes, yeah, Aaron. Oh, the, the um, I was watching a an episode of the Drum. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the drum? The drum. It's a like a, I guess a talk show on ABC, yep. and it's it seems to be kind of uh, it's a bit it's a bit socially left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about charging stations and and, and the how things are going to be moving over to those, yep. and the idea that you're going to have to be there for a long time, and mm. and um, this guy from Ernst and Young, a partner of Ernst and Young in I forgot what city mm-hmm. in Australia, but he's like had this mad like utopic version of what what it's going to be so like because your your car has to be there for ages yep he's like oh yeah we can have these commercial hubs these no buy markets where you come and all the the your your um what do they call them the your recyclables, your your soft plastics and your commingled recycling, you can bring that and you can bring goods that you don't need anymore, you can trade them into no mm. no no share markets like yeah. What are you talking about? You're loaded as you, none of this means anything to you. <laughs> as he's but, waving his Rolex, dangled yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrist around, and, and all the plebs can go there and then leave there. Yeah, <laughs> but then I was and then I was talking to my my, my uh, managing director about it, and he's he's like he's uh, pretty uh, like I guess Andrew Bolty kind of yep. like sort of right yeah, yeah. right conservative right, yep. kind of guy, and he's and he was hypothesizing that these guys just. Do that same thing. They tow the line mm. so they can get all these contracts. They can mm. get into these departments. Yep. And but in the end, they're just still doing capitalism and making sick money. Because there there is this weird thing. I know this is kind of getting into culture war, but there is this weird thing. So so if your if your job is uh you know diversity, equity, inclusion mm. type type job, right? You can never actually reach a point where you go up, oh, fix the problem, all done. We're all we're all finished here. Yeah. Like, because you're out of a job, you've got to keep finding new problems, and and so mm. they're they what they need is in the diversity and inclusion offices. Yep, should be like absolute like misogynistic or like <laughs> ultra feminist, like racists and whatever. It's like that is an unexpected hire, and that person is like much more diverse than all the other ones because all the other ones are like really. Like, you know, <laughs> open-minded and stuff. So, like, you basically want to hire, like, you know, the biggest, like, you know, bigot there is mm. and that's diversity within that group. Because that, like that group probably doesn't have many extreme bigots. Yeah. Like, how many Nazis are in, but, but, in, but in that group? But, like, if they want to be diverse, they need to hire a but, few But them, diversity right? isn't a measure of diversity of opinion or diversity of – it's 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 three things. They right? need to hire diversity officers who think diversity officers shouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a different diversity yourself but, but, out of existence. <laughs> but but yeah. but diversity isn't about you know the word diversity. It's about it's about um, you know sex. So male female. Yeah. It's about like color, like skin yeah. color, and it's a, like about um, LGB. Yeah. TQ. But wait, it's closely think, followed if, by age too, hey. But but wait, if you think that that makes you diverse, wouldn't that be saying that 
you are a certain way because of your sex, which is sexist, and yes. you are a certain yes. way because of your race, which is racist, and you are a certain way because of your sexuality, yes. which is some other thing that's bad. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't it's know not about it's not about it's not about making sure that we've got. So the diversity people that. who believe that are actually the biggest racists and sexists. Oh lots yeah, of yeah, stuff look, out there. look that mm. we're, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> so so we're, we're, yeah, go on. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the other thing, just going back to like, you, you can never solve the problem because yeah. otherwise you're out of a job, right? It's it's like if you've heard Douglas Murray's he talks about um I've forgotten who he's referencing it from, but mm. the like St. George in retirement. Oh yes yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so like just that. just for the for the podcast, which is basically um uh you know, after St. George, you know, slays the dragon and he gets all this uh, uh, you know Praise for all mm. the all the you know the effort of him you know killing this dragon. He goes in search of beasts you know to kill mm. in order to maintain this praise for mm. for for you know d- you know killing these yeah. awful beasts and and uh, you know the thing is like you know one day he's then found in a in a in a field um, you know swinging after he's slayed you know. Smaller and smaller beasts. One day he's in a field, swinging his sword at nothing but thin air. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing else to. It, it reminds me a bit of the um, the is a book, the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah. Have you read that? Sh- yeah. Nitsen. Yeah, yeah. Really? When I, I remember that's, that's a book I'm too scared to read. It's it's pre- it's pretty full on. Hey, it's um, but the, there's the I forgot the name of the law, but it's like section fifty seven of some law or something. But basically, they just kept adding shit to it so he could bust everyone. So, like, for all the different crimes against the state. And it got to the point where you could arrest people as young as six years old for just, like, <laughs> whatever. So, so basically, you could just put people into the gulag generationally. Yeah, yeah. Like, so full on. But, mm. but yeah, they're, they're those sort of yeah. these, these equity kind of things where you can just keep adding new criteria so all of a sudden – you know, you can bust everyone. It's like- Well, that's an interesting thing because when you showed that news article for Vanguard, one of the points they wanted was um, climate justice, I think it said. And whenever the idea of um, justice- Reparations. Gets gets introduced into the thing, it's like, all right, who decides what's just? Mm. It's, um, yeah, that that, that strikes, you know, as as someone who, um, I guess, whose family migrated because of war- you know, fled Soviets and then, you know, Europe in World War II. Um, yeah, that just, just strikes fear into my heart, reading the idea of that someone wants to control justice. And, mm. you know, I, um, I, I I use a petrol car. Mm. Um, am I unjust? What happens to me? For my, Depends who you talk to. For, am I not being just? Because mm-hmm. C- there, there is this thing as well where it's um, – uh, you know, in the say in the old world, like as in last century, mm. uh, the battle might have been between, like a class war between you know working class versus capital, um, and you know trying to find a fair outcome between you know what's the workers' share of you know of you know uh, profits say mm. or or you know a generation from income generation from business mm. and what's the the capital's you know capital. Um, Share of to, in order to make sure that we've still got people, you know, who want to create businesses because it's mm. worth their time. But at the same time, we're not having a system of of where workers are just exploited, um, where you know where they're able to get a fair fair return on you know on the labour that they put in. Um, 
But it's almost like there, there is kind of, and this is, I don't know how sort of conspiracy theory this gets into, that that there's almost been this usurping of, of that old argument. Mm. Um, and now we've got a system where like all the capital goes to, you know, a smaller and smaller group. Mm. But there's, when we're talking about social justice issues, it's not about, oh, these people are poor. Mm. Let's, let's, you know, uh, give you know poor people a, a fairer share of mm. um of wealth it's moved away from the economic onto the mm. onto the social so mm. it's like it's now about you know you know whether it's sexism or racism mm. or you know whatever phobia um that's that's where all the justice issue is but it's mm. almost like that's a distraction from the from the economic issue which is mm. like hang on we've got this massive um you know distribution of of wealth problem mm. um, that is not being addressed because all the all the like discussion is around these social issues, and it means that it's almost like a lot of these issues are kind of uh, sort of niche upper middle class, you know, yeah, uh, distraction. It's um, an interesting thing because I was thinking not long ago that imagine if you had a political party who claimed to represent the poorer people in society um, and they wanted to create a, a better environment mm. for them. But because of the nature of lobby groups mm. and all that sort of stuff, in fact, what they do is cater to the really rich end of society. Yeah, yeah. Would not that political group in power then be really incentivized to destroy the middle class? Mm. Because destroying the middle class creates a group of the poor that they can be champions for mm. while still um, obeying their true masters, which is the, the uber-rich. Mm. Yep. Anyway. I, I, it's, the, thing, <laughs> the thing I hate getting into because it's like it's so – it's almost a little bit um, – you know, it, you know when you have things that are a little bit conspiracy but you're like – it's like, oh, could be true but I don't want don't to go down the path of, uh, you know – I'm really backing this, but at the same time, I don't think it should just like wipe it off the blackboard because it's it's not. Well, yeah, and, and even if it's not, even if it's not by like intentional design, just the, just is like, that the, the outcome of the yeah the, the accident? Actions, like yeah. you know, it's like yeah, if if we have lobby groups and we also want to cater to the mm. the, the the poorer groups of, of society, then the middle class is is the only group that is inconsequential to us. Mm. And the more we destroy the middle class, the more poor people we have to cater to. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Have you have you um, listened to or either of you listened to some Born Lomberg who's Oh the environmental guy yeah, that yeah. criticizes Born that Lomberg. stuff. Yeah. It's um, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um because I have heard a bit of him and yeah. um, I'm not sure about the climate change mm. stuff. Mm. But I, I know people who are really into it, like, you know, climate change and blah blah blah. And I've asked a few of them. I'm like, so are you carbon neutral? Mm. And they're not. Mm. But I'm carbon neutral. <laughs> so I don't know if I even believe it or not. And maybe I'm the biggest idiot in the world, but I'm like, well, look, if it is a serious issue, then maybe I, you know, I should spend a couple of bucks to be carbon neutral. But it actually seems- it's, so I've, I've, I've offset my family's carbon. Yeah. And, and from the, the description you've done before, it's actually not that expensive. No, it's like five bucks a week or something. But I buy carbon credits yeah. and extinguish them. Yeah. 
So we're um yeah we're we're fully neutral. So so that's about the same price as family Netflix then. Mm. Yeah, well my daughter was like, why don't we buy a Tesla? Because I drive like the old Toyota, right? Yep. And I'm like, why? And she's like, for the environment. Um, you know, you know, we want to save the yeah. planet and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, what's the issue? And she's talking about like the pollution. Yep. And I'm like, well, you know, um, you know, these Teslas, you know, to 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 make things new that mm. requires energy and yep. all that sort of stuff. There's pollution involved in making it. I'm like, this already exists. Yep. Like maybe if it didn't exist, there's an argument to get one of those, but this already exists. Like what happens? It was already made. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know, what we should do, if anything, is just um, offset the carbon or, you know, mm. it's not offsetting all the all the junk in petrol, but it's like, you know, what, what we should do is just offset the carbon in this and um, – you know, then then this car is is effectively the same as a Tesla, or you know what it's aiming to be, whatever. You know, roughly it gets to be a Tesla just by setting the carbon. Mm. And then I was like, oh, I'll look into that. So I looked into it, and yeah, surprisingly cheap. And I'm like, well, if we're offsetting the car, yeah. may as well have offset the entire household. So yeah, there you go. No, but it's, it's <laughs> interesting because so born Lomborg. Um, does a lot of stuff on cost benefit analysis, and, and I, I'm not I'm not saying that you know. Uh, that you know he's got he's you know he's right and other people are wrong or whatever. But but a lot of the work he does is uh, is you know he looks at what's the most what's the lowest hanging cheapest you know way to say for instance reduce carbon emissions, and f- from that he kind of concludes a lot of um, sh- like strategies that Western governments adopt are actually not very efficient at all, and they'd be much better off. Um, undertaking, uh, you know, different strategies, um, but they they're not the ones that are necessarily backed by lobby groups. Mm. So, like environmental lobby groups. So, there's that's a good example with the the Tesla, because obviously there's a lot of money that goes into to you know buying a Tesla, and I think I think that that's a good invention. But it's there's no doubt in the world that there's got to be cheaper ways of of um, like for instance, you know, there must be a lot of places in the world where you could plant a lot of trees at much, much lower cost. I do wonder if Australia should just like use coal. It's like we're not that big a population, we've got a massive land area. Maybe we should just be burning coal and then offsetting that with planting trees or whatever. Like de- don't, don't, don't. De- de-desertification or whatever, like you know, um greening, greening our back Australia or whatever. But, uh, and then I came across a thing recently. Um, this argument that, or this idea of pumping ocean water to low-level places around the world, um, like air, yeah, yeah. for example, in Australia maybe is a target for that. Yeah. So you pump ocean water yep. and then you've got water evaporating, creating a microclimate where all of a sudden you have trees and all that sort of stuff. And eventually you can look at desalinating that and having inland mm. lakes. Mm. And it's like maybe you know maybe we can burn as much coal as we want and, and do things like that. But obviously then you'd have people saying, well, that's you know Aboriginal land and yeah. you can't do that. But yeah. and, and look, and I, do, I do think there is a lot of legitimacy to, to say if you go back Back to, um, you know, rights law and, uh, you know, say, you know, Kathy Wood or whatever talks quite a lot about. What's rights law? Rights law. It's basically if you, um, when you increase the production of something, it so it's, it might, might be something like, you know, if you have 10 times the production of a technology, mm. the, the price will halve. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that going on in the clean tech space. Yeah. So as the production goes up – you know, things that used to be expensive are going to become very, very cheap and they're going to be actually more efficient than what we have in the past seen as the cheap yeah. form of energy. That's that's um, kind of the opinion I've settled into with things like 
like solar panels and Teslas and things like yeah. that. It's like I don't oppose the technology or anything yeah. like that, but if solar panels are so good, then I'm sure when it comes time, the government will make them yep. and use them, and then I'll get the electricity. The from government, them. it's always the government. The market, <laughs> or, or already, whoever, the whoever, market, like the market's already, the market's yeah. already done it though. Like I read a thing mm. saying that solar um, power was winning competitive tenders yeah. in India like yes. four or five years ago. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that before. So, and then same with with the Tesla. Like I'll buy an electric car. Yeah. But I'll buy it when it's like economically when, when it costs the same as a Corolla, yeah. you know, like which probably isn't going to be that far off, like yeah. you know. And the, the the key the key to me is is actually with electric vehicles is when there's sufficient you you get to the uh, down the track when mm. people have been buying them and they come onto the second hand market yeah. because <clears throat> if you get stuck with a second hand internal combustion engine vehicle, the cost of maintaining that and keeping it going. Mm. Versus a second-hand electric vehicle, you know, then you can, you know, you can pay twice as much for the vehicle. You know, mm. you can pay twenty thousand dollars instead of ten thousand yeah. dollars, and it will still be cheaper. Yeah, because of the because of the ongoing costs and involved of maintaining an old yeah. internal combustion vehicle compared. So to what that. happens? You just got to get in front of it and open up a scrap metal yard or something. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I know someone who wants to buy, a, you know, newish car and spend a decent amount of money. And in my mind, it's just like, ah, like if it's a, a combustion engine, mm. like maybe it goes to zero pretty quickly. Like you know, maybe, yeah. maybe it's not far off, like a couple of years, where it's just like, who's driving that by choice? Yeah, and look, look, and the like thing- buying an old one, like you know, like there's a case for that. But buying like dropping forty grand on one. Uh, I don't know. Like, on like a full, full combustion new one. Yeah, or even a hybrid one. Like the hybrid ones that, you know, go- My mum just bought a hybrid. They, they go like 70Ks or whatever. Like, you know, maybe maybe even that is tech. It's like, look, you're pretty reliant on combustion still. And Toyota- the, You've to- still got the maintenance costs that combustion has. So Toyota, I was reading an article and they, out of Japan, they were saying they don't believe long-term there's enough resources for everyone to go electric. Mm. And they that's why they still, they're still bullish on hybrid. Mm. Because they, they feel like they can get the best of both worlds sort of thing. Because, mm. yeah, yeah, look, it's an interesting point. Is I've, I've heard that uh, – what's the green chicken? Doomberg. Doomberg, yeah, yeah. Do- Doomberg's of – You're the one who told me that. That's, yeah. There you go. Um, uh, Doomberg's of the view that um, uh, it would be much more efficient to go hybrid because of the same, same, sort, yeah. of, same sort of reasoning. Um, the, the kind of other flip side of that – like Tesla has come out and said that, that – they don't think there's a resource issue. And and yeah. if you look at like there's certain things like, for instance, battery technologies um, where if we kept the current technology, mm. then we'd have a we'd have a problem. But yeah. current moving- technology, that's an electricity wordplay. Well done, yeah, what? James. Current, like electric. Yeah. Oh. Current, current. So clever, but, but, but say, say, <laughs> say, for instance, with, with the battery, batteries, what is, you know, we've gone from NMC, which is sort yeah. of- um, Is that nickel got, cadmium? It's got a lot of nickel- um, I just remember that was when I was a kid uh, with uh, remote control cars. Nickel yeah. cadmium was the shit for rechargeable batteries yeah. back in the eighties. But but even stuff like lithium. Um, so and they've they've moved down to lithium iron phosphate. Mm. But they're even now looking at um, sodium sodium iron. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But 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 once you get into sodium iron, like if you're able to get the energy density into that. So uh, um, when you say iron, like I R O N. Uh, sorry, I O N. I O N. So so, I- so like salt, salt batteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're they're very they're very cheap, uh, because there's so much there's so much. Um, yeah, right. There's no there's no so fight climate change and diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and you know, if you can get the energy density in that that kind of battery, yep. it's like we're not going to run out of salt. Mm. Um, and and it's kind of like uh, if you get to that point, then batteries become very cheap. They yeah. become sort of universal. And but but I take the point that if we can't get the technology, you know, to the energy density, yeah. you know, that we that we we might not so much we'll run out of lithium, but we've mm. we've got to you know, substantially increase our production. You know what? Actually, as you as you were sort of uh, explaining that the 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 article there, it wasn't so much that they don't believe there's enough resources, but they think it's going to take decades and decades to ramp up. Yep, yep. And so, in the meantime, it's 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 not feasible mm. um, to to uh, to just go full ham electric mm. for everyone. Mm. Or something, but t- t- I mean, t- Tesla thinks it is, um, and I mean, obviously they would. Mm. Um, uh, and, and my concern on the other side of things is the things that have worked against electric vehicles in starting up, which is kind of like things like, oh, well, you know, there's not enough charging stations. Oh, oh these are new. You know, uh, there's only a small portion of the market. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, the cost of ramping up production. Etc. Mm. Um, you know that all adds to the cost. But on the flip side, when you get to a situation where there's not a lot of internal combustion engine vehicles coming out, yeah, and the petrol stations start to close down, yeah, it, you know, it, it 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 could be you don't want to own one of these things because it's like how inconvenient is it to to try and get petrol when you've got a you know all the petrol stations are, are closing down because they're not a, not yeah. enough volume, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, yeah, that was that discussion I was talking about on the drum. There was mm-hmm. what's going to happen to servos and stuff like that. But um, I kind of feel like centralized charging is like for the birds, anyways. Like, you know what I mean? Going to a place just to charge. Mm-hmm. I, like, yeah. I kind of feel like the two places you'd want to charge is work and home. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much it. And then have some fast charges on the highways. And, yeah, and- I think owning a car is for the birds as well. I think you know autonomous driving and you just use them like taxis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, garage builders, people building garages, like they're going to be, you know. What do they do? <laughs> get sideways into rumpus rooms. Yeah, there you go. Video games and pool tables and stuff. Yeah. What else are we going to talk about? Are we going to call it a day? Ah, uh, man, I, I think I've got other stuff, but I think we could leave it. Uh, any comments on Price Waterhouse Coopers being snitches? What happened with that? Oh God, if only Parvon was here. Yeah. <laughs> this is Pro- like this is like you know fought. Yeah, it was like literally the, what he talks about the financial shen- shenanigans. Yeah. So, um, Price Waterhouse Coopers, they were being engaged uh, as a consultant for the government to was optimise tax law, optimise the tax law and make sure it was like all tidy-whitey. Um, but then what they did is they started leaking the information to their other other headquarters in other countries so they could better avoid the incoming tax changes. Yeah, right. And, um, so what's the consequence for that? And, and one – how does the government not see the conflict of interest? And two, why can't the government do it internally? Yeah, well, that's uh, and there was a. Uh, I was watching a, a news story where a guy was saying, "Well, because they they engage more into this stuff, it sort of sucks money out of the public service, so people get paid less. They want to do like less work and stuff." Well, yeah, I mean, in in theory, it um, means you have a less skilled public service because mm. all the 
cool, interesting stuff is getting outsourced. Yeah, and they mentioned so they 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 this article I was reading, um, it, it um it pointed the finger at all of the big four. So uh, EY recently copped a partial audit ban in Germany and a hefty fine for signing off on accounts uh, for a collapsed payments firm in Wirecard. Uh, KPMG was involved in an auditing scandal at the highest political levels in South Africa. Uh, Deloitte has been fined millions of dollars and given a suspension for allowing Chinese clients to do their own audit work. And uh, yeah, so they're all they're all shenanigans. Yeah, I, I read a book called The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Have you read it? No. No. Um, yeah, anyway, like that was just so bloody depressing. I, driving like to Adelaide. So it's a big drive and I listened to The Jungle by Upton Sinclair on audiobook. Um, yeah. Oh, you said you'd read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. audiobook. Yeah, ear, ear read it. I call it ear reading. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was so depressing. And like it was written to get people to become like communists or socialists. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, that, uh, that that's, you know, I can see that how that would make people want to become communists or socialists. But if, if the idea, because I'm a libertarian, I don't like that idea of government, um, but at the same time, maybe it's a necessary, less worse thing than other things, whatever. But, you know, for me, I guess I can tolerate government um, if it is to stop the perversions of, I guess, the market, the free market, you know, whatever perversions might be thrown up by the free market. If that's a role of the government or if that's, you know, a, a case for government, then for the government to not have any internal skills and to hire the free market to advise them, it's like, hey, you're stopping the perversions. So if you're if you're hiring, you know, big four accounting firms, they are the market. And if in my mind the role of the government where it ha- might have legitimacy is to stop the perversions of the market, then you need to have the skills yourself. You don't outsource that to the market. Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that's just corruption, isn't it? Like you'd normally have a it would be normal for a you know business to have separation well, whatever you know lots of businesses mm. should have a separation between different departments you know chinese wall whatever mm. um for instance you know financial services businesses which are you know uh do trading mm. on one part of their business mm. and on another part of their business they they you know work, working with you know you know, businesses uh, in equity raisings or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, obviously, those two can't. You know, you, you can't have those two parts of the business informing each other about what's yeah. going on. Um, so I think this is, to me, that was just corruption. That the yeah. taking the, you know, devising a scheme, you know, on behalf of the government and mm. then like kind of, you know feeding through to other parts of the business how to get around it is my yeah. dumb, dumb summary of the yeah. what's going on. Yeah. It was pretty funny though that you see that footage of the guy going, nah, man, no, no one. I think one person saw the email and then the email chain came out. And it was like <laughs> going to like everybody. <laughs> Fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. But, if only, uh, only Pavan was here for this, he'd have a field day. Yeah, he would actually, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no, that's that's it for me. How, how about you guys? Any, anything else you want to get off your chest before before we wrap up? No, I'm pretty good. Um, only only thing, just very quickly, was I was listening to um, oh, what's his name? Green. Um, it was on Macro Voices. Uh, oh, I've forgotten his first name. Um, but basically, he was talking about um, AI, and you know how there's been discussion about slowing down or having memory. 
Didn't the actual chat GPT Moratorium? guy say that to, to Congress? He was like, we need to slow this down or yeah, something? Yeah, it sounds like they're like, they're like, it does actually sound like they're a bit worried about it. Nathan. Yeah. Um, and I've heard some funny stuff about, um, you know, uh, basically them sort of connecting an AI, you know, system up to the internet and then them having to pull the plug because it kind of went, started doing things, you know, breaking laws and stuff like mm. that. Um, but um, what Mike Green, I think it was Mike Green, um, uh, said was that he's actually more concerned about the social effects of job losses uh, because there's – I mean, just – just I mean, this is this is a dumb example, but like uh, you know how, you, how there's deep fakes and stuff like that, mm. um, but just uh, – Again, this is a kind of a dumb example. Mm. It's probably a good thing, but but the effect on you could just you know how the, some huge portion of the internet is like pornography. Mm. It's like that can all be kind of where imminently be deep faked, and so everyone involved in that industry is kind of like, well, it's screwed. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I forgot who was talking about it. It was a it was actually an MMA podcast. They brought it up randomly, but they were talking about the idea of. Like your loved ones could live on forever. Oh, and I thought that was like the grossest thing ever. Like, it, it it'd be like unless you like you'd have to permanently live in the illusion with that person because every time he got out of it, it'd be like fucking losing him again. Like, I couldn't think of anything fucking worse. Like, because because there was there's there was, I saw this thing. I think it was just like a ABC seven thirty type thing. Mm. Um, but on what the AI program was designed to do, they'd have a, a person who was, you know, getting on and they'd mm. get them to spend quite a bit of time answering questions, yeah. and, you know, telling it about their life and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But the whole thing was that the AI would then be able to, uh, you know, understand how that peop- person, you know, yeah. thought and then uh, enable someone in the future to just have a conversation with them a conversation with the AI as if it was Man, that, I, per, I, I, that person. In that function, if you're if you talk if you're talking to someone like, yeah, imagine being able to talk to I don't know some famous historical figure. But but, but you're not you're not talking to them. You're talking to an AI simulation yeah. of. But it is an interesting thing to to um uh to to because imagine matching up someone like Michael Jackson with like a real skits. Or I don't know. Like, we could bounce two AIs off each other, like Carl Jung versus Michael Jackson or something. Like- <laughs> the the one have you guys seen the Prestige? That, that yeah, movie? yeah, pretty yeah. pretty good movie. Yeah, it's a pretty and it's a like it's you, should, you should watch it on Joe. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's the ending. End, uh, well, I'll don't give it away. Don't don't give the ending away. Okay. Andre might watch it, and other people might watch okay, it. Okay, so I won't give it away, but I'll tell you my thought on on that, right? Because that Christian Bell is a good actor. No, go on. Um, so <laughs> you gave away already. <laughs> this is just in terms of like you know, uploading yourself to the to the internet type yeah. thought, right? So, is it? Are you just creating a copy of yourself? Because obviously, that's very different. Because you could you could like imagine a theoretical system where mm. you could where you could copy yourself up to the internet, but then that's not you. That's another just a copy of you, and you'd go and die, and you, you, that's the end of you know your life. But there is a misconception that that 
like, you know, oh, if you kind of could upload yourself to the internet, then you'd live forever. But it's like, no, no, no you die and then this copy of you lives forever. Mm. I think it could be really helpful, like, for someone like me, right? Someone's like, you know, you're a bit annoying and you're a bit of a jerk. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then it's like, all right, we're going to upload you to the internet and you talk to yourself. <laughs> and then I talk to myself. I'm like, can you believe this guy? Like, does he ever shut up? And it's like, it's literally you. <laughs> I think I would have thought you would be like, this guy's so smart. He's like, understands everything. I've never talked to anyone. Who, like normally when he I say me. this guy. This guy so gets me. <laughs> He was also flirting with me, which I found weird, but also quite flattering. Oh, that, that would be freaky to uh, to have a like a, f- a female version of yourself or something. <laughs> that would be f- super freaky. Good times. <laughs> All right, I think that's a perfect note to end it on. Cool. We should have ended it before then. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our moral of today's story. Jerk off with your own uh, digital avatar. Oh, yeah. But female, because, you know, <laughs> well, maybe you should do it to a male one to prove you're not a homophobe. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. (laughs) Disclaimer. The information discussed on this podcast is for general information only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from Andy, James, Tavon Andre or any guest they may speak with. We are not your financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how the information discussed on this podcast relates to your unique circumstances. We are not liable for any loss caused, whether due to negligence or otherwise arising from the use of, or reliance on, the information discussed directly or indirectly on Andy, James, Pavan and Andre Talk Money Stuff. Music by Grand Projects and R.E.D. Productions from Pixabay. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode.